Alright. I mean, uh, I started recording, but, you know, just edit this shit out or whatever. Fear my voice and shit. Say no more! Uh, had to get my stretch out. <laughs> right. Get ready to get in this shit. Oh, Niggas looking like what Batista used to come to the ring. <laughs> Goldberg and shit. Knock on the back door. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good? You're not good. You just know how to hide. How to lie. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell the truth. Even when I lie. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Come on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. Come on. Make way for the bad guy. There's a bad guy coming through. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time you're listening to this beautiful people. This is the Seen It Podcast. I am Hendrix, the writer. And I go by the name of Saeed. And today is episode three of the pod. We are reviewing Scarface, the 1982 film, not the 1961 film. Yes, this is a remake of a remake. Well, shit, honestly... The original movie came out in 1932. 32? A remake to so a remake of a remake. Right. The and the cool thing remake. about that, facts, I was just about to say, because actually the, the Scarface whole thing is actually based on a novel, too, like when we was going over Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. It was uh, written by Armitage Trail. Armitage Trail? And the book was put out. Yeah, it was put out in 1930, but he died before they adapted it into a movie. I would assume so if he could write a book in 1930. He died two years before, so... In fact, you know, they was dying from any and everything. Yeah, polio was still kicking it. Great Depression, like... Yeah, he was was dying from having a fever. (laughs) Back then, the treatment was a bottle of whiskey. There's a million people they died from. Not not even because of the prohibition. Ah, yes, that's how... The uh, the Kennedys and the Clintons made their money slinging that prohibition. <laughs> Thanks. That's when them boys were jumping off of, uh, the <laughs> boys were jumping off of the uh, Empire State. 
Imagine doing 25 to life for a bottle of Crown Royal. <laughs> you and your mugs are like, man, look at this new ass bottle. Like, I was almost done. <laughs> Niggas already doing fast time for E and J. Yo, bro. <laughs> doing 35 to life for that, that sugar rush headache. Your trial time come up. You put on your Sunday's best. Mm-hmm. Come to the top of the building and jump off that bed. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't gonna kill me. I didn't work thirty jobs in thirty days. Fuck y'all. They ain't have it like hell watching these girls drive the boat. You didn't know what I went through for that. <laughs> <laughs> that nigga said I drove cabs and picked up cow shit. The moonshine in two days. You gotta be a dedicated motherfucker. The moonshine, brown there, brine and wheat. Who? <laughs> I got to send the person who discovered that a shot. Like, oh, if I juice this weed, it's going to get us fucked up. Bro. <laughs> and then got to clean the tub to make it in there. <laughs> no, the crazy thing was, when he wrote the book, it was actually about Al Capone. I remember we was talking about him a few weeks ago. Mm. Yeah, there's another man who made his money on Prohibition. Hell yeah. But then died from syphilis in jail, but... That, that's yeah, instant karma. That's I know. I know. <laughs> I know. That's just a sad story to go out on. You die from uh, unprotected toilet seat. <laughs> 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 all, that Bro, slang, what? all that slang and banging and raw dogging and cocaine that you die from an unprotected gas station. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You got a book and a movie about you, nigga. You die from a toilet seat. <laughs> No, and it wasn't no. like he's one of the, t- the Tuskegee experiment people. No. But it gave it to you on purpose. Right. right. We'll talk about that next month. Well, next week. It's almost that time. They ain't ready for them conversations. <laughs> but <laughs> people don't trust the vaccine. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. You playing playing guard today. All right, let's do it. So... Today we're going to be talking about Scarface, 1983, directed by Brian De Palma. What was your initial thoughts when you watched the movie? Um, Beginning or ended? Like, as I finished the movie or when I started the movie? When you... Let's, let's, let's go from when you ended it at first without jumping the gun. Just tell me what you was like, eh, or did you love it? When I ended the, when I ended the movie, I figured this is a movie... No one needs to watch in 2020. Not this is a movie, but because you know everything you need to know about the movie. I agree. Through, through osmosis. Like, nothing in that movie happens. And it's not a great example of any literature or cinema work. It's like, <laughs> and a lot of the stuff the movie does well is done better by other things. But I think. Uh, evaluating a movie like that would be doing a disservice because of how much it meant to the culture. So that's why I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that to this movie. But I, I don't know the listeners. If they want something like this. Maybe it could be a, a venture for the YouTube page when season two starts up that I could go and say why I feel like this movie is overrated from a movie standpoint. But for what it meant to the culture, I think it's. A lot of stuff is put in place because of this movie. But as a movie itself, it doesn't it doesn't uh, stand up to the name recognition it carries. 
you feel like it was something that didn't mean much of anything? It meant a lot because of when it hit. It, I think it benefits a lot from being at the right place in the right time. I feel like if paid in full was put in this spot, it would have the same cultural impact. Because I think paid in full is a better movie, but I don't think we get paid in full without this movie. And paid in full even acknowledges that much because they have a scene where they're going to watch Scarface in the movie. Hell yeah, when it came out too. When it came out, but um, I think the the persona it has got just gave everybody the balls to be. It's an Pacino movie. I think it's the first movie where it's like the protagonist is explicitly a bad guy. Yeah, um, he's an antagonist. In the sense, like, if it was anybody else's story, he would be the antagonist. But since it's his movie, he's, like, the first guy. He, right. Like, he, he, um, Tony Montana crawled so Walter White could run. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. Like, a lot of stuff in place for, to be like, oh, America will follow the bad guy. Now, this is during the time where America probably needed or sympathize with the bad guy more than they would have any other time. You know what I'm saying? No, especially up until this point. Yeah, like that time in America would be a time where Americans were more uh, dispositioned towards distrusting the government than they probably already were and were more inclined to sympathize with the bad guy, even though he's objective bad guy. No, I agree with you. And to be honest, I felt a lot of the same way. I feel like this is like one of those movies. It's so culturally relevant, of course. Mm-hmm. As you were just saying, but it's like one of those things where even me, and this is in my, my top 10 movies of all time, just because of how explosive it was alone. Mm. Like when I when I was watching it again the other day, I was sitting there watching it. I was smoking and I just sat there. I was looking at it like, this should make you feel like a tough guy. Like, this shit, yo, I'm telling you, this shit, it was this one that Nita had a hood on Smash myself. Yeah, and I just uh, but then I feel like looking at it from like a analytical standpoint, like you was talking about, it's not really too much below the surface to dissect it all. It's like one of the movies you watch it for pure entertainment, not for like the love of filmmaking. You know what I mean? Yeah. This was like it wasn't a super crazy script. You can tell because actually. They kept the original screenplay from Oliver Stone and Ben Heck, the people that wrote it for the movie in the 30s. And like we said, the times was different than it was in the years before this one. So for y'all to keep this and adapt it to exactly, it was like it wasn't too much evolution throughout the, the writing aspect of it. But it was just fun to watch. Yeah, I just looked up to uh, what else came out in 1983, and it's a. It's like a shot in the arm. It's a whole lot of horror. Star Wars, of course. Yeah. Jaws. <clears throat> Superman. The first uh, Superman 3. You know, it's a bunch of fun stuff. And then there's this. It's like, whoa. Culture shock. It just stands out. Yeah, it just sticks out like a story. Movies were fun. Movies were entertaining. Special effects type of thing. You were going there for escapism. And this was like real enough. I'm not saying this was the only the only movie that came out during that time period that was like real enough to where you could somewhat see it happen in America, but this was like the closest thing you would probably get to a representation of what someone thought was going on during a drug epidemic or whatnot. Or at least I agree. idea of it, because he's always got an obsession with crime bosses. I definitely agree. 
And one thing I'm going to add to that before we start getting deep into it. One thing, as, as I was getting older, when I really started to enjoy films and everything, if I've seen a movie maybe X amount of times, what I started to do was, you know how when you got the DVDs, you uh, turn the commentary on right. as the audio, so when I have the cast talking over it. And yeah. when I was listening to Al Pacino sit there and talk about the movie, he was saying, first of all, first and foremost, he based the character off Paul Muni that played um, Paul Muni? Tony Montana and the Paul Muni. Okay. Yeah, this is this is the dude that played Al Pacino's character in the 30s. Okay. He said he wanted to base it off that, but the most important thing for him was to accurately give the vibe of like the underbelly of the country at the time. And like you said, with the drug epidemic hitting so hard. Exactly. He just wanted to tell you how hard it could be for somebody that's trying to adapt to a new society. It's hard for you to get your feet in the ground, number one. But when you get there, you got to be stern with motherfuckers. You're an alien in the literal sense that you're not of this land. No, literally. Literally. I feel like shit. That's that's a good way to get into it right there. It doesn't help when you got a, a shitty Cuban accent. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we, oh, we didn't even got to get into the fact Yo, his ass canceled. <laughs> movie came out today. If this was now, they gonna purge him from society. <laughs> Dog, that accent was terrible. This would have probably been. That's what I'm saying. And what fucks it up is when you're younger and you don't know the difference. You like, damn. I ain't know Al Pacino was Cuban, but then you find out he Italian. Like this nigga. You wait. Say- and then you start associating Cubans with that terrible accent. You start talking to them like, hell, the gun, the hall. Just looking at them like, looking like, like, what the fuck is you talking about? But yeah. So, Bro. From the top, I guess, from the start of the movie. Yeah. Um, well, when it started up, and initially, they already was getting in the boat. They were talking about um, when people migrated from Cuba to the U.S. Mm-hmm. in the 80s. And it was talking about how um, basically they were trying to filter out what they could call the flight risk to the, the good aliens. It was a um, proposition of representation of what it was like trying to get through uh, Border Patrol at the time. Most definitely. And know, it was like, I think this movie is based on a, a Cuban Missile Crisis. So they, they bring up Castro a lot. So yeah, it had, definitely had to be during the Cuban Missile Crisis. So they were already not allowing too many foreigners in and this is also around the time where Americans were rounding up I want to say it was Vietnamese um, if, I'm, if I'm wrong because I'm not looking it up Americans were also rounding up Vietnamese people and put them in uh, detention camps because it's also the time we were at war with the, the Vietnamese like, I'm pretty sure this is how it was going I could be wrong as hell but I, I think, think that was the 60s yeah so that's, that's the, why I think it's so crazy. That's a, a little background knowledge that Amer- why he has such a tough time in customs. I think not, I said customs like he's a damn product with uh, Border Patrol. And um, <laughs> and, and Forrest was a little bit. It tells us that he was a gangster on top of being a military guy. But he got some gang background. And um, what else? And it shows us he's a liar and won't really be reliable. Throughout as a narrator, throughout it wasn't a good liar. 
it wasn't a good line. And like it happened immediately, so it wasn't. Yo, fact. It discredited him all. Right. Like, no, I agree with you. It's on some shit. Like, um, it opens up just talking about Fidel Castro and how he was trying to get all of the um the worthless people he called them. He wanted to get the underbelly of his country because you know the communist place at the time. He wanted to get like all of the underbelly people out of the country, so he sent them all on boats and they went to America. Mm-hmm. As, you know, political refugees, as he liked to say. But you never lied. They was um, interviewing everybody individually, and the way he was trying to portray himself, even you as a viewer looking at it like this nigga is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Every question they ask, you just don't know nobody. It was like, uh, you got any family? Nope. <laughs> he said, how about your father? He's dead. He died. He's something. Somewhere. How about your mother? Ooh. She dead too. I was like, what the fuck? And to that point... I'm here by myself. We can assume he's lying, but to that point, we don't have any reason to think he's lying. And so, like, because we don't... Yeah, not, not yet we didn't. Yeah, and I think we can get to the... it comes up, we can talk about it. But I think that's a flaw with the movie itself, but... um, And that's the thing I don't like, where... You have three hours of our time, but you don't respect three hours of our time because the scenes they don't do more than one thing. Your scenes are like doing one thing at a time. So it kind of drags once you get to the point yeah. where you need to pay attention to much of the scene. Like, I feel like I spoke about this in every episode, but dialogue and scenes need to do more than the surface level stuff. There's not really much subtext going on. Or uh, micro pacing going on with these scenes. They're, you're just watching the physical spectacle, the visual spectacle, or the the uh, brilliant performance by Patina. But once you get past that, it's like, okay, this is just dragging. I get the point. Or sometimes it'll just. Pull I feel it like fast. I agree with you. I feel like this movie left too much to the viewer's knowledge. This was like one of those type of movies where. It was like, okay, you're going to be able to attribute this particular scene to something if you know anything about American history. You know, it's like they want you to draw your own metaphors from what's going on. Like just going back to when we were talking about that first scene where he was getting um, interviewed by the border people. And they was just, you know, they I feel like they wanted us to draw a line to where just like social injustice and how people that aren't considered to be original from from this land they they just treat you like you don't deserve to be here because even as the conversation progressed you could tell how how sarcastic the people was it was predetermined from the beginning it was just dismissive to anything no matter what he said it was like man fuck you you're a criminal Uh, it was playing a lot on people already having a distrust for the American or government as it be, as you probably would in the 80s during uh, the war on drugs and the crack epidemic that was going on, um, the early 80s. So they're banking on the viewer coming in with that predisposition to not trust the government as is and to uh, already have a rebellion side with them. But that doesn't really work for people removed or people not in the know. It leaves too much to be determined. You have to establish these people are bad people within the the universe of your movie. You can't just bank on viewers being hating the government. You know, it's kind of lazy. 
That's my point. They left it too much to the people. There's a lot of people that watch movies purely just to have it on. You know, some people. So for you to expect somebody to. Then there's some people who just show up to the movie theater once a week to watch the movie that's coming out, whatever was promoted. So they aren't like really avid into the zeitgeist of this social climate. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of people that wasn't going to see this movie to take metaphors about analytical culture. You got people that was going to these movies just because we heard we got a fucking crazy Cuban. He blowing shit up. He's shooting people. We want to see that shit go down. It is two Americas. You know, there's some people going there who are just who fully trust the government or are unaware of injustices of foreigners and minorities have with regulations that the government has set up. Just fully unaware. Now you go in there and you see and it's like they're giving him a hard time. But after he proves why they gave him a hard time, so it's like why would I sympathize with you? You were objectively a bad person throughout the whole movie. Exactly. And then you've got the underbelly of the country that people that's on the, the butt end of all the injustices that's given to people that's not from here. Mm-hmm. The people that see the shit for what it is. And I feel like this movie was a perfect representation. When they had that conversation with him in there, everything was already predetermined. Like, even just through the shit they were saying to him, when they was looking at the scar on his face, how did well, you get this... Yeah, they just looking at it like immediately you're a violent person, you're a criminal. They talking about what you get this from eating pussy. That's when his personality started poking through. He said, what's wrong with this guy? How the fuck am I going to get this from eating pussy? <laughs> Every, what the fuck? And then they start asking him, is he gay? Right. He said, fuck no. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Shit, that, what does this have to do with, is, is you going to let me go or what? Right. Red Banga. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yo, what was that called? Uh, Freedom Town? Yeah, but before we get to that part, I don't understand why three-hour movies use crawls. Like, the word text just uh, sprawling across the scene. Like, you have three hours. Explain your movie. Why do we need text to explain your text? <laughs> and then there was a text followed up by exposition dump. It wasn't like a text to explain a world like Star Wars. Like Star Wars, you could I can understand why you would need a text to explain what's going on in Star Wars because it's a really big world out there and you don't have as much time as you would want to fully flesh out the ideas and still have a, a cohesive narrative. I get that. This movie, you're you're introducing the world to us through the eyes of Tony Montana. What do we need a crawl for? We don't. And then the next scene, you go explain to us what was already said in the cross. Like, you don't respect our time. Or you think we're stupid. One or the other. That's very redundant. And that go back to the point that they bake it too much on us. I know plenty of people looked at that part like, nigga, if I wanted to read the book, I'd have read the book. That's how I felt. Do the movie. When I was a kid. When, uh... About Star Wars. The first time I tried to watch Star Wars, the crosses was like, if I wanted to read a book, I would read a book. And I turned it on. <laughs> it's the same thing with this. It's like, <laughs> what do I have the text for it? What, what is this crawl here for? To explain to me something that literally the next character explains again. The very next scene. The first time we see him, he's explaining. redundant. He's explaining what happened, why they're there, and what they're going to do. As if the movie either doesn't trust itself. It's like, we see there's some type of internment camp. And we see they don't like it there. Now they're explaining to us how they're going to get right. out. They're just showing us how they get out of there. Like, they could just 
cut all that out and just killed the political, uh, I want to say, enemy, Ravanga. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like before, before, even before that part, even before that part, I wanted to touch on a little bit of foreshadowing when we got even before they got to Freedom Town. Shoot. It was foreshadowing a lot about um, Tony and Manny's relationship. You remember when they was on the bus going to the, the concentration camp? Mm-hmm. And he was just saying, so what did you tell him? He's like, hey, I told him I worked in sanitation. He's like, sanitation? I told you to tell him you was in the sanitarium. Yeah. You didn't tell me. He said, you know what? Fuck that. You shouldn't have said nothing at all. It already showed that. He's like, he don't trust him enough to think for himself or make his own moves. And we, you know, of course, we see that later in the movie. Okay, I like that. The lack of trust was him today. And it was um how he views, like, uh, above people, master and subsidiary type relationships he has with people. Like this is your exactly exactly. This is your only bit of connection. You treat him like a pawn more so than a partner, which explains a lot. We we'll see that shit forever through this. So the movie is is exactly. Literally, now we in Freedom Town. Yeah, and a lot of like it, they set the scene pretty well. I don't think you need to. The visual was enough because they do explain like those people don't like it there, but the visual of people fighting each other and being behind cages is enough. You don't have to explain to us. People don't like being in jail. We know that. Um, and then Manny, that's something we know exactly. And then Manny was like, goes and basically explains how they're going to get out instead of showing us how they get out. Like a phone call or a letter, or them reading the letter would have sufficed, as opposed to just Manny doing the boring thing, where it's, I'm going to basically tell the audience what is about to happen before it happens. No one wants to hear that. Right. Right. Make it interesting, please. Yeah. Well, um, I think the, the them killing Rabanga was, was hilarious because it's so it's so ridiculous. It's like it's all this chaos, and y'all take this time to set up this warriors like scene, uh, uh, sacrificing a hit job. Yeah, <laughs> they even got the the sounds that the warriors I feel like they wanted to use this. I don't know what this serves. Thanks. <laughs> It comes up later in the movie, but I feel cool. like I feel like they were using this scene to try to set up the narrative for Al Pacino character. Like even though when our right, when you was talking about how Manny was coming in, was telling them, "All right, yeah, uh, you want to hear some good news? You want to hear some good news?" Right. He's like, "What? I got a way we can be out of here in thirty days." But the monologue that he told him, like after he explained who they was going hit and everything. Mm-hmm. This nigga just, first of all, no type of being sneaky with the shit at all. They're staring at him. You tell your guys in Miami. Tell your, your friend. friend. It'd be a pleasure. I kill a communist for fun. But for a green card, I'm going to carve him up real nice. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's weird. It's That's so- what I'm saying. They, they wanted even the music they started to play. Yeah, that's another problem I have. I feel like everything was a little bit too on the nose. Yeah, this movie doesn't believe in subtlety. Everything is direct and everything's in your face. It doesn't. And subtlety is less is more. I agree. Especially with stuff like this. You gotta let the viewer insert a bit of their imagination into it. You don't want to hold their hand through the whole way through, especially a three-hour movie. Like, something else that came in this time. The thing, Joel. 
an alien. Those movies came out in the time. Those movies are culturally relevant because of how much it let the viewer insert their own imagination. Like Jaws and Alien, you hardly see the monsters throughout the movie. Like I think they get like 10, 15 minutes of screen time a piece. And throughout their time, you're speculating and the dread and horror builds up in itself because your own imagination. You have to respect the viewer, intelligence and uh, intelligence, time and imagination when you're creating a film. And Scarface doesn't do that. Everything is overt. Everything is direct. It's a very easy film to just throw on and channel if you want brain dead fun. I agree. Like that's that's to the point I made earlier. The fact that I could get high and sit here and know everything that's going on. Yeah, like normally I say I that's watch. That's what I'm saying. I'm tapped in. I watch movies twice before, at least twice before I review them. And I take notes, but I didn't really need to take notes on this movie. And I watched it like one and a half times, pulling the curtain back a little bit, and I still <laughs> everything scene for scene, mostly because, like I said, this movie doesn't believe in subtlety and there isn't much to digest outside what was presented to the viewer. I agree. It was just, everything was too in your face, but the way they kept you engaged was they banked on the fact that they know if you love gangsters, if you love the idea of being a fan of the bad guy, you're going to support this movie. I feel like they, they wasn't exactly, because every time he got into a monologue and they dropped the dramatic-ass music, he talking about, tell your friend, I kill a communist for fun. For, for a green card? I'm gonna carve him up real nice. That shit how you like, yeah, fuck that nigga. Fuck that nigga. That's what I'm saying. His accent aside, like, I know I goofed on his accent, but he was amazing in this movie. He was a beast. Yes. A fucking beast. Hey, all right. We can jump right to when they killed him. It seemed like it's, it's transitioning in this movie was bad as well. Because it was like, all right, we can, like, we was talking about other movies of the year. With Star Wars, it can have a scene going, and then it do like one of those odd movie screen closes, and then it just jumped to whatever's going on. This is how it was with here. Everything was so cool. You know, they was packed in this camp like rats, of course. Right. But the, the timing was so bad. The next scene, just, just so they could get to them assassinating him, everybody was in an uproar, and they did another crawl, like you were saying. They was like, people got tired of being imprisoned in jail. <laughs> Yeah, so what we, they did was they were attacking oh, guards. Oh, they were rocks. And we see them doing it. We see it. So you don't have to tell me that. I can see. I have four oh. eyes. They all work. <laughs> no, for real. But, uh, people in there tearing up their own shit. They setting the mattresses on fire. I think jarring was such a, a good word to describe them because when the scene shifts and it pulls stuff out of nowhere, it's like, okay. <laughs> Okay. Right. When did this happen? Okay, we're here now. All right, fine. <laughs> and then, because I think, and Jaren also describes that scene perfectly well, because the theme of that scene doesn't fit anything else in the movie. Like, when they go over Banga, it turns into, like, this warrior, warriors-esque. So part of the scene is like, warriors, come right. out. Banga! <laughs> Like, we know where they're supposed to kill Rabanga, but why are they treating him like some sacrificial lamb? What, what is going on? And then he walks in and it turns into like a... Down like then he talks into like some... It turns into like some horror movie chase scene where he's going through... I think he gets stabbed, and then he's just walking through. He took the longest 
stabbed through the kidney ever. Like he should have bled out and died before he even got to the, the cabin, but now he's just walking through. That's what I'm saying. That's all these people that want to kill you. Just it's so, like they Tony is there when you leave out the back door. Not I even agree. I hope he's there. Because how would Tony know Verbanga's walking out at that time? It's a tin cabin. You can't I agree. I feel like you you know how I feel like they did that? Just just to reach and give them a little bit of some type of credit. Mm -hmm. Um like you said when they gave him the, the chant, like when it was yelling warriors, mm -hmm. it was like um they did start that 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 chant. Like I remember when they both came in there after they called them and they was just saying and like everybody in the whole camp started yelling that shit. Yeah, right. man, Tony was probably outside the joint, like, all right, all right, okay, all right, cool. He was waiting for him to get there. He, he jumped out crazy. They got the whole camp on board for four of them to get green cards. <laughs> Thanks. You want to act like everybody's going home. I still got to live here. <laughs> how how uh, did they say that? <laughs> I got to live here. You go. <laughs> he said, man, y'all better start pissing on the mattresses. You got to sleep on that shit tomorrow. <laughs> that fire out, boy. <laughs> but no. <laughs> he stabbed the shit out of him, though. Yeah, he sliced the shit out of him. Wait. And then the next thing to get any grip, moving on. Facts. But I feel like it, for him, everything was uh, kind of putting us to when they get out of here. Nothing was enough. Like, with him to kill, not enough. He got to pop this shit. Right. He killed him and was talking shit. like he stabbed the shit out to... Mm, he's like... Everybody got... I'm like, what the fuck? It was a great... <laughs> I'm like, bro, we know. Give Pacino a chance to flex his acting chops, but mostly I think like you're seeing, it's like filler. Like it doesn't, it comes out one other time in the movie, but it doesn't really impact the movie in any significant way. Like they got their green cards because of it, but you can kind of get your green card for literally anything because it doesn't even initially tether them. Right. Like they come out and they're like serving sandwiches or something. They aren't even immediately tethered, and it takes. Tony being Tony to get them somewhere within the world. It doesn't really, it isn't really a result of them killing Rabanga. Them killing Rabanga just got them out of the internment camp. Didn't do anything. It got them to wash dishes. Yeah, it didn't do anything much or less in towards the grand scheme of the movie. Like, it would have been a whole lot more interesting if they they killed Rabanga and immediately had to go talk to, I forget the boss's name, but they immediately had to go talk to him. Afterwards, and he put them on the front line. That'd have been a more interesting way to involve it. Seems like because now this is something directly impacting the plot beyond the surface level. Yeah, you got your green card, but now you have to pay off this debt to this man because he got you out of there. Because he could have got any crony to go kill Rabanga. It didn't have to go be Tony and Mandy. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And I feel like all right, it opens up on them immediately being in Miami, right? Mm -hmm. After they get their green cards, boom, it was him, Manny, and Angel. They had got their green cards. So they was washing dishes at that little uh, that little restaurant across from the club. Right. I just feel like it immediately, he was impatient. Like, he was like, all right, we did the fucking job. Why is we washing dishes? It was like the wedge that I feel like they was putting between him and Manny the entire movie was always prevalent. 
Manny was always good at being a role player. He was like, look, you got to relax. We're going to get there. Let's just. This nigga Tony was like, no, fuck you and fuck them niggas. I want that shit down. Manny, Manny wanted to so work. Within... I remember when. Uh, 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 Manny... Exactly. He wanted to play more calm. And Tony was like a nuke to the system. He's like, no, I am the game. I'm Triple H right now. And then they uh, immediately started setting the seeds to like Tony's rebellion because he was like, what do you got that I ain't got? And I feel like that's like the voice of America. When you like the hardworking average Joe and you see women flocking over some rich guy, you're like, what do you got that I ain't got? Well, about six more figures in his bank account, Tony. That'll, that'll start. <laughs> right there. Thanks. He was just never content with being who he was. Or wanting to wait it out and see what happens. Hoping something shakes. But he was very active, an uh, active protagonist in that sense. Because normally when you have a, I'm going to use this, I'm going to call it this one. Normally when you have a proxy character, meaning someone who is there to be the eyes of the audience, the representation, I think a good example of that is, um, yeah. Who's, I can't draw, I'm blanking on a, a representation type of, audience. If you watch the Watchmen TV series, uh, Angela Abar or the um, Regina King character, she's a perfect example of what a proxy character is. Someone who's there to be a stand-in for the audience. Now, typically, those type of characters are very reactive and don't really affect the plot in any significant way because they're meant to be the audience's experience. But Tony, who is, in a way, the proxy character, but is very active. He goes and makes things happen in the plot and deal with the fallout. And I think that's a plus for this movie because it makes them very interesting. Most of the time, proxy characters can be pretty boring if you leave them to their own. Um, think Hunger Games. Uh, I forget her name. The main character of the Hunger Games is a proxy character who is interesting because she's very reactive in the source of the story. Like Things happen to her, but she doesn't just sit on an experience that she directly impacts it after they happen. Tony is very active in the sense that he's going to go make the story yeah. as well. And I think that that helps with Pacino's uh, acting. It really helps you really love Scarface. Uh, Scarface. Tony Montana is how much he just doesn't give a flying fuck about status quo and what's supposed to be like. He's going to go make things change. And I feel like people really sympathize that because they want to imagine that if they were in his place, they would be that same type of person. When in all actuality, they're probably more like Manny. Somebody that's cool with playing their position. Yeah. Not, you don't got the balls to take charge. Yeah, it's hard. You know? Yeah, and I think that's, that's what I'm saying. Just sitting there and being like, I can play this out. I can play it safe. There's nothing wrong with taking a safe route. You know, financial security is a real thing. Financial security and making sure your family has some. But we also understand that it's really noble when someone is like, no, fuck that. I'm going to go shoot my shot and I'm going to go for broke. That's how people love Kobe. And that's why people love people who go make things change their way. It's like, I'm not about to sit here and just be average or just be okay. Even if that means I fail hilariously. At least I fail hilariously going out my way. I agree with you. I agree with you. It's like, even if this shit don't work, at least I can say that I tried. That's more than most people can say. Right. The safe job will always be there. I agree. I agree. And that's, 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 that's literally how this movie transitioned. It, it, it gives you a lot of characters that just kept on promoting his character motivation. Throughout the movie, everybody just staggeringly gives you a reason why he becomes who he does. Mm-hmm. They're like, they're there to develop him. More like, than- all right, 
they're less like characters and more like character development for him, which I don't like. I don't like exactly. I don't like characters where they're just to serve just one character. It's like if you want to have a character there, it needs to impact the plot in some significant way, not just stroke the ego of another one. I agree, and that was our problem with a lot of the characters in Gone Girl. Not some, not a lot, some. Uh, no, the, the triplets, mom, and uh, them hillbillies. <laughs> like if I wanted to make a problem, it would be the hillbillies and the triplets, mom. Those are the worst parts of that movie. But in this case, that's like every supporting character except um, Omar, not Omar. But yeah, Omar and um, the drug kingpin in Brazil. Shit, if anything, yeah, we'll get into that. But Let's not get ahead of this part leads to, exactly, this part leads to when Omar pulls up in the car. Right. And, and they, they go over there to talk to him. Yeah, he's like playing them like y'all flunkies. Yeah, you're talking to them like they fucking dogs. Yeah, like they they worthless, and he not he not even really paying attention to them. It wasn't until I agree. He's sitting in there jamming the music. And it wasn't until Tony wasn't about to keep getting pissed on. He already hated his boss. He's not about to let you come up and talk to him like nothing. I just killed for you. Right, because initially he was about to offer them five hundred dollars a piece to do that drug drop. Yeah, it's like five hundred dollars. Today? He was like, well, he said, what the fuck do you think we is? He said, so I guess that, that hit that we gave out on you, uh, Freedom Town, that was just bullshit too, huh? Mm-hmm. And I he, feel like... He was perfectly fine with taking the five because he felt like he would have been... I was just about to say. ...official down the long run. And Tony's like, no, fuck that. We're not about to keep in, keep waiting it out and see what happens. You about to... So we're going to do this shit right now. Right. If we already in here, we might as well go 10 feet. I agree. And I feel like him running his mouth is what gave Omar to put them in a position he did, which to this point, we don't know what it's about or we don't know what it's for. But then at that point, he gave them the job. Like, all right, I want you to take this bomb money and go get the coat. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right, <clears throat> but when you get the stuff, I don't want you to spend the money. Either you come back with the money and the coke, you know what I'm saying? Right. I feel like he put them in a, a position where we all looking at it like shit. What's about to happen? This this might have been the most. This is the most tense. Yeah, this was like the he's ever been that we got throughout the whole thing. Yeah, this is at this point we just like shit. Well, you ran your mouth. This is one of the best scenes. Exactly, in the- you ran your mouth into getting the opportunity, and then now that you got the opportunity, we gonna see if you gonna drop the ball. It sets up a lot of things for the further movie that one that uh. Tony writes checks with his mouth that he can't really cash and he's really rash. So he ends up in that uh, sets up later stuff in the plot that I don't think it gets fleshed out, but it just reoccurs. So it's kind of eh, it's fine. It isn't like it would have been more interesting if they slowly developed this. Like, let's say he wrote a check he couldn't cash. and Like he was talking to Omar. Omar just pulled off and then they had to go figure out like and just keep getting worse and worse from there. I'm saying that would have been a more interesting way to do that, but instead, he immediately gets rewarded for running his mouth. And now he goes to go do something that we we already know he could go kill somebody. This is a matter of how he's going to be able to go kill somebody and get out alive. And it creates a lot of tension and suspension. 
which is very good. It's very good. It's very that that scene, that open not opening scene, but that scene where they go through the drug deal is very engaging. It's one of the more engaging scenes in the movie where you have to be paying attention to realize what's going on. I agree. And that was like uh one of those scenes that's like one of those, all right. I'm going to do what I gotta do, fuck everything else. Like, all right. You ever notice in other movies where they got those scenes where people be like you don't really believe in where you're going unless you give up every other plan that you have in the background. Mm-hmm. Like, right after they got that job to uh, do the drug deal, they immediately quit the job washing dishes and all that. Right. So then... It was probably way more than they would have got in a month at that joint anyway. Especially at that time. Especially at that time. Especially at that time. Minimum wage was, what, probably like $5 an hour then? If that? That's my point. If that, right. Minimum wage has been set so, for like 10 years now. That is insane. 13. That is insane. Anyway, moving right along. They go to do the drug deal. They go in there. Uh, they go to the house. And I remember they were sitting in the car. He being a ladies, man. Yeah, that's man, Manny was too. He had his head in them bitches too much, bro. Yeah, where Tony was locked set focused. As you supposed to be. Yeah, as you should when you're going to do something this dangerous. And then Manny was happy go lucky. I'm just here for the thrills and the money, not really giving a hell. Exactly. It was key that Tony didn't bring him in there because he knew he wasn't on tilt like how he was. Or either he felt like he couldn't trust me as much as he wanted to. So just sit here and just only come in if something goes wrong. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. He said, if I'm not out in 15 minutes, something wrong. Me, I'm gonna keep the money in the car. Right. Keep the money in here. I feel like, bro, this is all we've been talking about this whole time. Everything that happens interaction-wise between them two just shows where they, why they end up where they do. It's real subsidiary and master. Pink is real pink. I agree. Like, I agree. You work for me. You my million. Even though we on the same level. You work for me. I'm the brains of this operation. You're not even the muscle. I'm the brains and the muscle. You are moral support. Turn my pages, bitch! <laughs> I agree. As if we're going to try to forget the fact that Manny the only reason they got out of Freedom Town. But I guess that don't matter. Exactly. Manny puts you in a position to do everything and you treat him like shit. That's what I'm saying. <clears throat> but so instead, he takes Angel in there with him. Right. And they go in there and it's immediately wonky from the start. Because you walk in, there's yeah. no here. It's empty. And he lets you all the way in his house. <laughs> we'll let you walk all the way in the house. No pat down, no nothing. And number two, what man has they bitch in the crib during the drug deal? You want to keep them out of the way of business. Just sitting there chilling, watching TV like everything is regular. Like this is just a regular Tuesday part. Just a Tuesday. Exactly. And the conversation, like he come in there, he said, um, so- Yeah, he said, this is Martha. I'm Hector. He's like, okay. So they just stand in there. You can tell Tony already on tilt with niggas. He's like, all right. Uh, he says, so... You got any money? He said, mm, you got the stuff? <laughs> it was like... He said, I suppose the money's in the car. I suppose. He's, facts. He was like, um, you got this? He said, yeah, but it's not here with me. Where is it? I yeah, got it somewhere close. Is, he's like, all right, let's cut this shit. Okay. You want me to come in? We start over again, Mike? <laughs> where are you from, Tony? What the fuck difference does it make where I'm from, man? 
Coño, cógelo con usted, ¿qué hicimos? Yeah, he's no facts. <laughs> I feel like at that point, because first of all, Angel stayed outside the door. Yeah. Kind of like playing a while. Point. Exactly. But I feel like after he started to get aggressive, shit went left real quick. Yeah, it had to because he immediately because he felt like he was playing with me. And to that point, we already know Tony has a short temper and he's not to be very played with. So then, like, all right, why do you keep fucking? With me? What's going on? What, what is the hold up? I think the good boost for that scene was the fact that they did the 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 camera shot from the window perspective, and they were showing Manny trying to talk to the bitches that was crossing the street oh, to the beach. And it was yeah. just how tense the scene was, and you. Just aloof and unaware of what's going on right you now. You being exactly, you being lackadaisical, bro. You need to get Tony, on the piece Tony was treating me like a fucking fool, but we see why now because you act like a fool. You was aware though, right? You can't even focus on life or death situations. Why would we trust? I agree. Not about the movie. It, it immediately shows why someone like Tony wouldn't trust me, so it doesn't make him an outright uh, asshole. It doesn't mean I'm an outright asshole. He's a, he's a, it's justified why he acts the way he does and why he, he treats me the way he does is immediately justified. Like, I'm in here about to die and you fraternizing with South Beach bitches. The week he at any point in time. I agree. I agree. And that's when um the gunman comes up behind Angel and surprises him. Yeah. And he gets him thrown in the house. And then the shorty, which is a great scene, she pulls the shotgun from under the pillow. I'm like, yo. She was like, freeze, fuckers. I was cracking this fuck. Hector. Okay? Mira, Antonio. What's the story? Tony! Yes, sir! No, do you move a scabron, Cito. I don't know, Avanio. Ahora. Oh, fuck face. You just fucked yourself. And then oh, you were like, oh, shit. You don't have a drug dealing movie unless someone is about to get cut with a chainsaw. That's like a given at this point. If someone has to get cut with a chainsaw. Hell yeah. Because immediately at that point, I feel like uh, all personality from Tony just went on tilt. That nigga turned into a rock. He's like, you're going to have to drag me around this motherfucker. Show how nihilist he was. It was like, I don't care about any of this. You're not getting this money and I'm not caving in. I'm not getting shit, nigga. Fuck you. Well, he was willing to die before he just let somebody get over on him. Let me ask you this. Do you think that was, um, you know how they say some things that's understood don't have to be explained? The fact that what happened when he put Angel in the tub and he brought the chainsaw out. Mm hmm. Do you think that was a predetermined conversation? Like, this may go left, so whatever happened to one of us, it is what it is. No, I think that was, um, I think it's a given when you're in those type of situations, but I think that That's was That's my point. I think it was more so Tony, it was to show how, uh, how Tony doesn't care about life. Like, he'd rather, die, he'd rather die on his shield and sword before he caves in on his principles. I agree. He was willing I to agree. You see, they, when they put the, the chainsaw and the gun on him, I don't care. You're not getting that money. <laughs> he spit on him. Yeah. He's, he's just he's, all right. Now it's your turn. That's chance, pendejo. Fuck you. Bro, I was like, damn. Like, his character stays relatively the same. Just 
gets more eccentric as it goes on. Like, it, he doesn't go through great development. It just becomes more of who he already was. Like a natural of sorts. And I think that's a good uh, setup for the ending. When he does he survival towards, I'm going a, I'm to a re- rebel till I die. Fuck you. You you jerked me already. I'm not about to give you the satisfaction of getting over on me. Kill me, nigga. It was very strong I died from my respect. Fuck it. Yeah, and then finally, uh, me and you finally peep game. You're done to hit. I was just about to say, that's a part I really liked about this scene. Even though he was being stupid when that 15 minutes came, he peeped. He's like, oh, no, we in there. He got on point quick. Like he stopped what he was doing, though. The chip walked off on him, and then he realized 15 minutes was up. Yeah, like, it, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, right. He was on point and like having fun. No, you got curved and then realized you was in the wrong. Then <laughs> you ain't got no game. It took you 15 minutes to get curved. <laughs> <laughs> he was popping his little shit to it. You're my. You're. You're. <laughs> <laughs> Doing the two piece, yeah. All right, fuck you, did. It's simple. (laughs) 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 This nigga smacked the side of the car like, fuck you, then, bitch. So he stormed off machine guns in broad daylight. Nobody bats high. What a time to be. Yo, I was thinking the exact thing. These niggas putting the clips in there, walking in. I'm like, what the fuck? Gotta love Miami. This is every day for us. (laughs) But um, right after they kill Andrew. I remember right when uh, Ecto was talking to Tony, mm-hmm. I think he put his ear to the window and he heard the chainsaw. So that's when he shot the glass through and uh, killed Martin and shit. Right. When he cleared out the room and suffered, uh, the guy that has a chainsaw, he, he tried to run away. And Tony goes and kills him in broad daylight. Again, like his rash personality just showing itself. And that's what drew people's attention. Not all the guns are going in the house. The fact that someone died in broad daylight. Like, we were fine with y'all having guns, but y'all ain't had to go kill them. Like, what? All right, yo, thanks. One thing I really liked about Tony and the end of that scene, since you, you got to that part, I like that he stayed, his mind was on the, the mission at hand as well. Because mm-hmm. even when he was chasing Ecto, he was like, hey, get the Yayo. Yeah, get the Yayo, start the car, let go. I'm here. Exactly. This is my thing. I'm not here chasing my own thing. Facts. He executed his ass, middle of the street. And then pulled off like it was nothing. <laughs> Thanks, bro. He was like, yes, sir, you die. Right. He knew he had three stars. He's like, if I drive this fast down this block, them stars about to go away. <laughs> he got to live out his Vice City moment. <laughs> I just, yo, that scene was like, was great for you to watch, but so fucking unrealistic. We was hearing cop cars for like 10 minutes of that part. Dumb. Stop it. That's like, well, we can talk about my end. Uh, we'll, we'll say that for the end. That's cool. So the next scene is at the payphone where he calling Omar. Yeah. And he tell him, no, nah, fuck you. <laughs> I, <laughs> right. I got everything you need. What I need to talk to you for? He said, I'm going to take the year to Frank myself. Fuck, fuck you. I already don't like you. <laughs> he said, you think I don't know what you did, motherfucker? Okay. He set me up. Got my friend killed. <laughs> Yo, fam. And he outright says that in the next scene. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't need you to think much. It just spells it out. <laughs> and then that's when they go to Frank's house. Yes, sir. And Frank is probably already coked out his mind. You see him as old ass. There's like no subtlety whatsoever. As soon as Frank's wife walk in, we're immediately... 
sexual tension is just immediately thrown in her face. Like, oh, this is who Tony wants. The music even changes. It's like, come I on. Was, yo, exactly. Dude. I feel like the music was so poorly instrumented. Like, it was so old. Awesome. And then it happens like, it doesn't happen like a natural buildup. It happens as soon as we see it as well. It dropped. Exactly. It's just like, okay. Like, we know what's going on now. Like, if you're going to do music, like I said in the last episode, I don't have the greatest ear for music, but I recognize the, uh, audio cues. If you're going to do it, it has to be a build-up towards it. Like, I agree. Like with scary movies, the music starts playing as they're walking down the hallway. The music doesn't start fucking playing when Michael Myers jumps out the closet. <laughs> that's exactly what right. <laughs> and Matter of fact, yeah, that's what it was. They were having a conversation, and um, he was like, wait, you got you got the, the yayo and the money? He was like, yeah, and I hope you take it serious because this cost my friend Angel his life. Right. And then I remember, I like how they transitioned into him getting like locked on Elvira because I remember uh, Frank was talking to Manny. He was like, so you got shot. He was like, yeah, it wasn't nothing. It, got, it went straight and through in and out and it started to fade in the background. It just started to turn in the background noise. Exactly. Getting on that, noise. that was a flex too with right. the, uh, the house elevator. Yeah. Just for, no, flex. Right for no reason. It steps next yeah. to it. 12 feet away. Two steps. Bro, that was a flex. And I'm not going to look at any of y'all. Catch all this open back. <laughs> he introduced her already as a problem child. Because yeah. when uh, she was upstairs, he's like, where's Elvira? She spent all her time pottering her nose. Right, she was already a drug addict and she was already unhappy. Very fucking unhappy. You can read that shit on her face. Mm-hmm. She was already annoyed with him. Why? She was fed up with him. <laughs> she was him for the money. Like she was, she was already tired of his favorite spot. It's like, oh, we're going there again. <laughs> He's like, yes, we are. <laughs> like, how you wings and, and drinks? You gonna be high anyway? Facts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She said some fly shit. She was like, you know, if anybody ever wanted to assassinate you, right. you wouldn't be hard to find. I'm mad this movie doesn't doesn't like. Boomerang back on that. Okay, that'd have been a. Instead of we we get there when we get there. I don't want to get ahead. Michelle of Michelle Pfeiffer killed this role. Yes, yes. She played her position. Yes, she did. But um, yeah, but isn't much to digest. Just think about it. Then the next thing they go explain explain to us that Tony's about to start working for Frank for like twenty minutes. Facts. I was going to say one more thing. It just came to my mind before we jump. Okay. I feel like the foreshadowing that we got from that point, the little, the little subtle shit that you can analyze from that was foreshadowing on Frank being overthrown. Mm-hmm. Because just how, how naive you are. Do you forget what type of business you were in? Like, she was like... Tell me. Why would anyone want to do that? I, we, I, all I have is friends. Right. You're the wrong professor. Right. You idiot. But Exactly. You soft, nigga. Yeah, and then the next scene, they go tell us Frank, uh, Tony and Manny are about to start working directly for Frank. And they just yeah. say more sexual tension between Oliveira and Tony. It's like, we knew that the last scene. We don't really need this scene directly after that one. So, yeah, she was a fucking condescending bitch, though. You start dancing or whatever, dancing in the middle of the, the scene. Like, the dancing scene would have worked really well if we didn't know the scene before Tony already had the hot score. Facts. I was going to say, I feel like 
everything about these scenes that we're talking about right now just pushed her and Tony together. Because yeah. every time she condescended this nigga, I know Tony just in the back of his head, like, man, he can't even deal with you. Right. <laughs> because when he was trying to give him the breakdown, he's like, rule number one, boom, boom, boom. And then rule number two, she's a smart ass. Don't get high, high in your own, own supply. supply. He's right. like, yeah, never get high. But we don't all listen to that rule. Right. <laughs> Stop playing with me. Okay. <laughs> so she got tired of the conversation and she was like, let's go dance. Mm -hmm. Remember, Frank had told him to go dance with her. Go dance with her. And that scene would work, exactly. would work really well, build up sexual tension, if we didn't already know Tony had the hot score. Like, if it just came they out. put it in your face. Yeah, like, if we just didn't have that whole Oliveira scene in the first jump, where it's like, oh, this is what I want. If, like, it became what he want because Frank put him in that position, like, he just happened to fall yeah. in that if he happened to fall into being boyfriend number two and not be, oh, I'm after the boss's wife. You know what I'm saying? Right, it right. worked so much better. It would have been so much more engaging. As of right now, it's just like, we know. It's like natural progression. It's like, all right. He probably going to try and make a move on it now since they finally got some alone time, which he did, and it didn't work. Fell right on his face, as you would oh, think. Oh, she was drawing on it. Right. So I don't fuck with she that. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. She was like, he was like, you want to be my friend? She's like, I have enough friends. I don't need any, especially anybody fresh off the banana boat. He's like, banana boat? Why you got to be talking crazy for? He was saying his shit, too. He was <laughs> Don't you got to talk to me like that, bro, bro? He never broke stride. That's how you know he was Bro, cute. still hitting it. Like. Yeah, air it out, still grooving. <laughs> Yo, she was popping her shit. <laughs> Bro, he said, what you talking crazy for? I came over here and it's you. Right. But everything everything shows how oblivious Frank is. You yeah. sent him to go dance with your girl? Not even aware that he had the hots for her already. He was already eye-fucking her the whole time in your house. Come on, he's oblivious. He's like, nigga, you ain't hear the music playing in the back? <laughs> <laughs> he came on as soon as she came out. You ain't hear it. <laughs> I heard it. Like, stupid. Heard it. <laughs> but no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frank's over there tooting his own horn and Tony over there playing everything your man won't do. <laughs> Fact, bro, he was asking a million questions. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> he said, so, Caillou, where you from? She's like, from Baltimore. He said, where? It was loudest shit in the club. Try on, I felt that when you try to get your groove on, you try to mack on the shorty. When y'all dancing, you can't, you got like, basically yelling her ear. What? He said, where are you from? <laughs> I'm not going for shit. All this joke. <laughs> Thanks. And what was the next scene after that? Because this was, like you said, this is definitely one of those where you don't have to spend too much time on any one thing. No. It's like if you were to watch this movie over again after you've seen it, I think the best approach would be to go on YouTube and like watch like the greatest hits. Like just watch the scenes you want to see, not sit through. Another three hours of this movie. You don't really need to see it all cohesively. Like you can pull a scene. Yeah, nothing about it. 
you can pull a scene out of context and you will know exactly what's going on. And that's a detriment to the movie. The fact that you can just pull any one scene out context be damned but you know exactly what's going on you know all the character motivations you know why they're acting the way they're acting what's going on you know all that you don't need I agree for any one scene to work I agree and it's just like um movies in the 80s and the 90s the montage <laughs> where they're just going on a montage of how they started uh, slanging and banging and how they started building it up well even before that was the, the car ride home after the club when him and Manny was talking, and he was basically talking about Frank is soft and how Alvera won him and all of that. Yeah, but the whole time Alvera was like playing him, but he just like his. He a nigga at the end of the day. He said, "Man, fuck that. She want me. I noticed. <laughs> she ain't want me. I can see. Banana motherfucker. <laughs> he said, "What you talking crazy for?" <laughs> and Manny looking at him the same way. Anybody looking at you? You want to hit the ball, Spice? What's wrong with you? We just got oh, here. He's like, come on, man. Exactly. Come on, man. Right. I don't want to go back to the Freedom Center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. And from there, just a bunch of filler for the rest of it for a while. Including this scene with his mom. As we can skip straight yes. to that. This scene is mainly trying to uh, be a pervert with that girl. We don't need to talk about that. That scene's pretty Exactly. Yeah, that scene's The rest of it is just... That and then him trying to flirt with Elvira. We already seen Nanny get curved. <laughs> right. We already seen Nanny. Right. We don't even see it happen again. Yeah, we can jump straight into it with his mom. Because he's just flirting with Elvira for the rest of that. Yeah, and he trying to get the car she likes and all that stuff. My could <laughs> be in the world. How Elvira? Huh? What, what is with this? Between Pulp Fiction and this movie, it's like, why are these bosses sending the workers to go Basically, charter their wife around. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, you go cheap. Yeah, go fuck the help. I don't and, care. <laughs> and the mind of a boss, in the mind of a boss, they don't think a worker would be bold enough. That's, that's what it was to me because he was like, that, that has never made sense to me. I'm going to let you charter around and hang out with my wife. Keep my wife entertained. <laughs> what? But that's why it's TV. That bitch wasn't entertaining. She can take her ass to the movies. <laughs> that when Cat Williams said in the boondocks. <laughs> <laughs> No, for real. It's a time. <laughs> so you go, you go show me how to get some excitement in my relationship? Hell no, I'm going to help you make that bitch behave. <laughs> <laughs> she wants excitement. She can take her ass to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. But yeah. It was oh, shit. More of what we already knew. Them flirting. And they don't really develop the relationship in any significant way. Because it stays relatively... Yeah, Tony is real persistent and she's real resistant. There isn't no give. It's more of the same. Like, most of that stuff can be cut, to be honest. It's filler. That's why I'm saying it's filler scenes. Like, this movie doesn't so have let, let's, Come on. That, oh, my gosh. It could have been a lot shorter. If we movie honest. It was an hour and 45 minutes. And I agree. He did have the jam packed with a lot of stuff you had to digest and break down and rewatch to catch on. But it said this is three hours of. Okay, I'm watching this Shoot stuff. Shoot up, bang, bang. Yeah, I'm watching this stuff to get to the stuff I actually want to see. <clears throat> I agree. But so we want to just pick it up at the mom's house? Yeah. I, don't, I have no problem with this scene. Well, one, because it doesn't think I hate. With all scenes, it only serves one purpose. It doesn't serve any other purpose whatsoever. And 
to that point, we have no reason to believe you have a mom. Like, this is like an hour and some change into the movie. It's like, where it should be an interesting reveal of Tony's character and secret life. It's a, who the fuck are these people? <laughs> and why do I care? Right. I don't right. know. Right. I know this is your girlfriend. <laughs> your old ass girlfriend. <laughs> right. She, she taller than you and look grown. I don't know why this. I don't know why this lady doesn't like you or your money. I don't know anything. To this point, we think your parents are dead, and it wasn't like we had any reason to believe you were a liar. Like it wasn't like you got on the phone when you got to America and talked to your mom or whatever. It wasn't like you were us in tabs throughout the movie. Y'all just pulled these. Y'all pulled this, this chick out of thin air. Like who is this lady? Yeah. During the scene, they're explaining to us, "Oh, this is my mom. And this is my family." Bro, and I've always been looking out for. It's like. No, you haven't. We've been with you for an hour and some change. You you have done nothing but stick your head up Alvarez's ass. We don't know these people. That's a fact. But I, I guess I guess from looking at it from the standpoint we usually do, all his mom was was just another character to support his character motivation. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. As soon as he came in the door, she was, already, she was like, well, right, she already fuck you. Yeah, what you what you doing here, Antonio? <laughs> like you're a criminal, you're all that. It's like, how do you know that? Like in the sense of the movie universe, it's like, how would you know that? We never seen you. But us being the audience, we know he's a criminal, all that. So we're already supposed to be inclined, but it isn't really justified. It's like, yeah, we know that, but how do you know that? We haven't never How do you know tell us something? Right. We think you're dead. You know what I'm saying? Like I, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. movie, he could have been having phone calls or dropping off money to a specific mailbox and not going inside. Stuff like that. Just little stuff to just why this scene is happening. But instead, they pull this scene out of thin air. Manny's still sitting in the car for God knows how long. Right. Right. That's the only other purpose it serves. It sets up a a potential romantic relationship. Well, not potential. The eventual romantic relationship between Manny and his sister. Yeah, and how he reacts to even the slightest, even your friend. Yeah, homeboy. The person I can't wait. I can't wait until we get into the music used when he get mad at her ass, <laughs> nigga. <laughs> but no, so he coming there. He coming there with the necklace and the money. Cause right. the way, like you just said, we up until this point we don't know anything. But they try to explain it as though he was kind of trying to stay away from them until he had something to show for what he's been doing. The problem is they explain it while it's happening. It's That's like, my point. No, that doesn't work. You have to set it up. <laughs> yeah, he's like, nigga, you're not getting out of this one. Right, you have to justify why this exists before it happens. You can't justify it in the moment. And it's just ridiculous at that point. Like I said, he could have been leaving right. something's in the mailbox or phone calls, whatever, something, anything. It could have been two scenes of him on the phone and it could be real brief conversations. I'm trying to talk to him. You know I'm saying? And that would have, then when we meet his mom, it would have been a, a different reaction to who the fuck are these people? That's exactly what I said when it happened. And it was until they started talking at the table, I'm like, oh, that's his mom and that's his sister. At first, I thought it was like his girlfriend and her mom, and her mom didn't like him because moms don't like the boyfriend, something like that. Right. But my, what I was about to say was, this scene make you feel like not only what's going on, but it might have been some truth to what he was telling to the people in the beginning during his interview. Because he was saying that his family was already in America. Even though he explained them to be dead, 
when he having this conversation with his mom, they already talking about how they was here and he went back to Cuba. Right. So yeah. it was like it was some ounce of truth to what he was saying. He just they, we knew his mom was there already, but we didn't know what she was doing, why she was doing, and why you stepped away. We didn't know any of that. Exactly. So, um, why you went back to Cuba? You said to fight, be fighting a war or something like that. Yeah, it was just a bunch of come on. Yeah, it it just pulls it out of thin air. Like we need to contextualize Tony, so let's put his mom there. But his people, I think he said his dad was born in America. I don't think he said his mom was born in America. Something like that. Yeah, but my point is, he's saying they started here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the, for, for the movie to open up, him coming back. Yeah, they were born in America and moved back to Cuba. But, hmm. I guess it's, it still doesn't work though. So I'm trying to. That's my point. I don't feel like they wanted us to think about not, this. It's not sufficient enough. It it's never, not. And never like is like you said. If you didn't catch it, you won't catch it. It's, That's my point. They don't draw any to it, any attention to it beyond that. As far as we know, you don't have a family. Like you said, they're dead. As far as we know, they're dead. Right. And I, then as this scene progresses, it shows that his dad really is gone. Yeah, and I feel like um, that scene where he's like, my family was born in Cuba, I feel like that was a media invalidated because they called him a liar. It's like, hope oh, And they figured out he was lying. They're like, what else was you lying about? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, that doesn't work. Fuck out of here, movie. <laughs> See, that was, they, they don't want you to think deep about this movie at all. Alright, I just sat there and just worked my whole way through. It's like, no, 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 it still doesn't work. But this, um, just to, just to jump into it before we move on, this this scene really foreshadows the um father figure complex he has for Gina. Because yeah. during the, the conversation they're having, it automatically shows that the last time he seen her, she was a, she was a kid. Yeah, now she's 19. Yeah, you're still a kid. Yeah. Exactly. And she was like, you know, mommy has just been, she's been real on edge ever since dad left. He was like, you know what? Forget about dad. We never had one. All right. Now that I'm back, y'all don't got to do shit. Exactly. He's taking on that role. Take this money to the mom. Because I don't want your drug money. But she's like, take this money. And hide it from her. Just give her a little bit every now and then. Oh, what you doing? Then immediately when she comes out, like this movie, yeah, oh. this movie does not give a damn about subtlety. Immediately, Manny, go ahead. Manny just goes go ahead. and he's just like, "Oh my god, she's beautiful!" Right? He said, "Hey, hey!" Yeah, like immediately, <laughs> no subtlety whatsoever. It's no calm down. I understand that point. Like this is your man. You don't have to go full tilt on his ass immediately. Yeah, quick. Right. He like he was gonna kill him. He's like, bro, relax. He don't know we don't know who these people are. He don't know who these people are. It may even say like you never told me you had a sister. Yeah, yeah, you never told us either. <laughs> I feel like that's the only part of this that draws the story on, like um conceptually. Cause the fact that his mom was already telling Gina, nah, he's gonna ruin your life. She wanted him to be a part of her life now that he back. Mm-hmm. Like, I want my big brother back. You know what I'm saying? He sense. took that as... Exactly. And he took it as though, all right, but I'm going to handle shit now. So when Manly started talking, all he said was she beautiful. He teed up. He said she's not for you, nigga. Hey! Stay away from her. 
Yeah. It's enough for you. Okay. How on edge you was. Now I understand you're not wanting somebody to date your sister. But there's a difference between you disrespecting your man's manhood and you tell him, "Hey, don't don't talk to my sister. Don't don't date my sister, bro. I know how you is. I know you damn right. I understand that angle of it. But my man was about to kill him in the car. Yeah, that nigga said she's not for you, mate. She's not for you. Right? Man, what you mean not for me? She's not for you. I know how you get. <laughs> That nigga, bro. Like, it wasn't played up like a joking relationship between friends. It was more so like, a, hey, I will end you over oh, there. He's a watch your fucking mouth. Not real, she wasn't going for it. Right. And from there, it immediately takes him over to Bolivia. When mm-hmm. him and Omar go to meet Sosa. Just drop, you know, like I said, this movie's just so jarring. Like, it just immediately just jumps from shit to shit. No, it's something about the 80s. It's something about the 80s. I'm glad we done with that. that. See, filmmakers came a long way. Like, I ain't saying yes, you, gotta, you gotta explain every step of the way. But why are we straight into Bolivia? To this point, we don't know. Keep who. us in. Exactly. Right. Build on what you already have. Like I said, stuff. Number one. Number one, between them meeting Frank in the apartment him going to meet his mom and his sister again, Months and months have passed that nothing is talked about. Nothing has changed. The status quo is still nothing. Like all that time y'all spent dicking around with uh Oliveira and Tony for them to be in the <laughs> You killing me <laughs> Oliveira. <laughs> you turned this bitch in the hand so like you could have uh, still um you could have been explaining away like Stuff was about to set up. Like, you could have been establishing the Bolivian drug king. You could have been establishing while having Tony falling over out of out of it. I keep calling. I'm going to keep calling it. She is lotion today. You funny as shit, man. <laughs> she is lotion today, goddammit. <laughs> but, uh, what was I about to say? Yeah, like, you could have been developing it slowly. You could have been giving it more care than what it already has. Instead of trying to hit us in the head, Tony likes Oliver. Tony likes Oliver. Tony likes Oliver. You could have been slowly developing that relationship, like gradually. It starts with them being forced to dance together. Then while they're talking, she's there uninterested. They're setting up a drug king, a drug deal, or whatever, and Tony's just looking at her. Like his attention is split. You know what I'm saying? You could have done it that way and it'd been a more interesting dynamic than what we were presented. And they don't want to do that. They just want you to be like, you know what? Fuck it. We're gonna make a we're gonna make an explosion movie. Y'all just gonna deal with the shit. Everything looks like a nail. Tony wants it. Facts. <laughs> Hell, facts. You gonna get these bars? You gonna get them? <laughs> okay, everything is like you gonna get it. It's like, oh my god, we get it, movie. Bro, half of this movie was explaining the exact same shit. It is like a like a. Like a kid cartoon, it's like it's explaining exactly what you just saw. Like it doesn't respect your intelligence. It's like, oh my god, I'm grown. I get it. This is a way <laughs> kids are not watching this. Yo, that's what I'm saying. Talk to me like a grown man. Like, treat me like you respect my intelligence. Don't. So uh, to me. it start off. I said, yeah, respect my yeah as an adult. This is a rated R movie. Kids are not watching this. You don't have to explain what I just saw. Or drill into us for a half hour straight of something we already know. No, that's a fact. It was a lot of hole in the head through the movie with this one, bro. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't. No one at all. I don't like it at all. Because, like, what am I What am I here for? What am I watching? Why do you have three hours of my time? I agree. You didn't earn this shit and you don't deserve it. <laughs> three hours of my time with Patty. Really, this movie boys dance like an hour and a half of stuff. <laughs> and you just stuffed in fluff throughout it. a lot of filler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Because, all right, this, this, is, this scene right here, since we're here now, it only aids to what we're talking about. When they go to meet Sosa, and they they talking about setting up the um the deal, right? About uh giving the two thousand keys to Frank and everything. Mm-hmm. Just that whole dichotomy I just seen went down is another. Wait, how the fuck did we get here? Right, and why is Tony negotiating drug deals? And even Omar's like, "Who are you to be doing this? You don't you don't negotiate for Frank. Right. Who the fuck do you think you are? You are like uh." Like uh, Oliver is that you were the help. What are you doing? <laughs> fact, fact. But what fucked me up, what I meant by that was think about how, how tense the scene got when um Sosa's partner, well not his partner, the dude that worked for him had got the phone call and he called them over there. The way they started staring over there at the table, you're like, Ooh, somebody did something. Like this good this movie does stuff well. It just doesn't do as much as it does. It does. Yeah, like, there's some great stuff in this movie. Like, when the dramatic irony of, they got a phone call and we know something's up, but we don't know what's up. So now we're tense. We're, like, what's going on? Why? What was that phone call about? What's going on? We're suspenseful. What's going right. on? And what, who were they talking about? Right, and why he keeps staying at the table? Because they gave, like, a mute scene. To Tony's exactly to, uh, Tony character, he went and made shit happen. Like the plot advances because he was being the edge here and he wasn't sitting there playing ball. Like I just went all the way to Bolivia on a whim. I'm not about to sit here and not leave with a deal, a good deal at that. Even but, if, even if we did, yeah, because Bull was trying to highball the shit out of him, trying to highball him and give him the okie doke, and some was just gonna go back and report just to come back. Like no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> We about to leave with a deal now. I ain't come all the way out here just to go home. Perfect. And I feel like, I feel like without us being being hip to it, Tony knew what was going on because right after he was like, um, he got the phone call and he came back. Mind you, like you said, Tony made that deal himself. Let's be real, because when he was like thirteen point five a key to take it through the joint, he's like, you must be crazy as shit. Lost your mind. So when he came, exactly. No, thanks. And I feel like he was hip to the shit that we wasn't because when he came back and Omar was like, well, we're going to have to go back to the States and uh, talk to Frank and we can let you know what's going on. And then, right, Sosa was like, why don't you leave your friend here with me? Tony was like, yeah, yeah. And then Tony like that ego show. He like felt like he was in charge. He's like, yeah, yeah, you go ahead now. He said, like, you go ahead. Do you? Do you? Little did we know he was a... Uh, and then they got the talking. Right. Little did we know he was in his phone. a fucking rat. Yeah. So we said, we don't know if he actually is. We just know he dead now. That's my point. We just like, they did not give us anything to go over that. It just happens because it happens. We don't know if he's a rat. We don't know how he read it. We don't know what he's doing. We can... Like you said, we can make a lot of our own emphasis, but none of our emphasis will be justified by stuff that happened in the movie. It's like, or maybe exactly, it's just shit going on. 
Maybe he wanted to go back to the state so he would go talk to the police. Maybe. We don't know. We never get to see it play out. And it was never established before that. To that point, Omar is someone who pulls up and tells Tony what to do and doesn't like Tony. That's what we know about Omar. We don't know he's exactly. a rapper. We don't know anything. And all that did, I, I feel like... I mean, we don't even see police to that point in the movie. No, we don't. We just hear them in certain scenes. Sirens. We don't even see police. Like It just comes out of nowhere. This is really like a fucking video game. When you break it down like that. It's just shocking. It's not really... It doesn't serve any purpose. Like, I'm about to, all right, I'm about to throw on the teacher's hat real quick. Let's say you have a scene, right? And there's a, a bomb about to go off. Everyone's at the baseball stadium. Everyone's talking. And then out of nowhere, an explosion, a Michael Bay level explosion just happened and the baseball scene blows up. Boom. All right, for that 10 yeah. seconds, for that 10 seconds, right? It's a, a really visually impressive and it's really engaging. Cool. If you try to watch it again, you're going to know what's happened. So it's not going to be shot. It's not going to have the same effect. Let's say you take that same scene and before you even walk in the stadium, you show the audience the bomb and how much time is there. Now everything else has immediately more attention. Every conversation, every whatsoever is more tense, more suspenseful, and the audience is more actively engaged in it. They know there's a time frame or whatever before it explodes. Now what happens, it's shocking along with rewarding the suspenseful. This movie just lives on shock. It doesn't have no build up, no tension, anything. It just lives right there. I agree. The explosion. It's like if they were just showing us Omar being some form of an informant beforehand, and now we're about to go watch Omar try to negotiate a deal as an informant. It'd have been a whole lot more rewarding when they catch on to Omar being an informant, an informant, and it would have um, better fleshed out, made the scene more engaging than what it actually was, which ultimately ended up being a Tony ego strip. I'm, oh my gosh, you beat me to it. I feel like Omar was literally a filler character to build the relationship between him and Sosa. Yeah. Because immediately after they showed the scene with Omar getting hung with the rope from the helicopter. It's shocking, but it doesn't really do anything else. It's like, damn, why That's what he... I'm saying. We don't even find hey, out. They... We don't even find out. Look at him. We find out, like, after we already seen, like, oh, he was a wreck. Like, how do we know that? We don't know. And then, you just going off y'all word. Like, it's not really justified. <laughs> And I, the, the next scene is going to touch on that nice. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But I like how immediately their relationship, because uh, Sosa already liked that Tony got spunked. He don't act like he working for Frank. He act like he's somebody that's trying to come up in the ranks. Right. So he have a conversation, you know, like, you know. At this point, Frank not even in the conversation no more. No. He's like, you know, Montana, I feel like me and you can have really good business going moving forward. Mm-hmm. He said, but I'm going to let you know, don't ever try to fuck me. Right. And one thing I like about Tony, they may not have, they may not have done that good with characters around him, but they were very consistent in making sure he shone through with everything they gave us. Well, no, he was the even, even, well-written character in the movie. Facts, because even through him having a conversation with... He was one of the few well-written characters in the movie. And to the movie's credit, exactly. Tony right, because if you don't get Tony right, this movie fails miserably. And they needed somebody to shine. They needed, and the good thing they got Pacino, they needed a dynamic actor. You couldn't get somebody that was only going to go be the script. You had to go get somebody that was going to be the act, be Tony Montana. Facts. So he straight told him, he was like, you know, 
You talking to a drug lord. This nigga straight said, listen. Hey, Sosa. Let's get this straight now. I never fucked anybody over in my life. Didn't have a coat. You got that? All I have in this world is my balls and my word. And I don't break them for no one. Do you understand? That piece of shit up there, I never liked him. I never trusted him. For all I know, he had me set up and had my friend Angel Fernandez killed. But that's history. I hear he's not. Do you want to go on with me to say it? You don't. Then you make a move. Right, right. And then I was like, yo. Everywhere. That quote ends up in every fabulous album ever. <laughs> That's my... <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The amount of quotables, guys. Like, if you just know the hip-hop canon, you know everything you need to know about Scarface. If you just know the hip-hop... Oh, my God. You done heard every major scene in this movie if you've never seen it. Real right. That's what I was saying when I, I, I never really watched the movie, but I knew exactly what happened before I watched it because I know hip-hop. Of course. Of course. You just know the hip-hop can Every... Come on. Every Griselda album coming out now, you will know Scarface coming <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Yo. I feel like there's not one rapper that we heard that you didn't hear about the bit the world is yours, the good year blunt, you didn't hear about so Olivia, bro. Come on. Sosa, why are my name Sosa now? Y'all wasn't you know watching. Y'all don't care about Sammy Sosa. Why the name Montana? Like, y'all never been to Idaho. Nobody cares about Montana. <laughs> Niggas was like, that's not even what we're talking about. You're stupid. Oh, he don't know. He don't know about Montana. Half of these niggas be younger than us. Trying to tell us the game. Talking about, <laughs> I, I relate to Tony Montana. What? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. bitch ass son. Nigga, I know your mom. You I'm telling you ain't acting up. I went to school with you. Relate to Tony Montana. <laughs> You'd be like that better be that better be magic mark on your forehead too, nigga. Your mom is making the shit out with you. Stop playing. <laughs> you grew up in a good family, man. You ace boogie. Move on, man. <laughs> come, come on, use a pussy, bro. That's some real shit. And um, scene. The next scene is Frank being mad that Tony made the deal. Made the deal. Like yeah, eighteen million dollars. That he couldn't afford, though. He wasn't so much mad that he made the deal. He didn't think he could afford it. He's just it. mad that you put out a number that, what, what if I don't come up, what he say? If I don't come up with the first five million, what's going to happen? He's going to send the hit team over here to kill me. Right, he's like, bro, we could, but Tony is perfectly ready. Like, yo, we could make this money happen. What are you talking he about? He said, I get out on the street and get that five million by piece, and you got it. Oh, five million? Like, it was 500. Say, so I could get five. You heard him. Right. He's just he talking. Said, we get out on the street. I was like, the street? He said, yo, I can get five mil in a month, man. It ain't nothing. I'm like, yeah. I was like, you desperate. <laughs> this this the drug dealer right there. Everybody like, yeah. But we can't sleep on the fact that his whole persona changed. Yeah, once he once he got somebody to talk to him about he was the boss, which he'd been wanting the whole movie at that point. Because after that, he was talking to Frank like he was a hoe. He was, he was like, he was just in the way now. Like, you're no longer... I don't need you anymore. The 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 connect already said he fucked with me. What I need you for now? Yo, he straight was like, 
Bro, time, when I got the I got the money and I got the drugs, what I need you for? I got the connect. That nigga said, "Fuck you, I'm taking it to Frank myself." Right, and then he's starting to look at Frank the same way, especially since Frank reacted in a way that was like, "What you mean you're not trying to do this deal? You <laughs> acting like a bitch, right? Like a bitch. You can get the money, it's money. It ain't money." And then, like, like you said, to that point, when when Frank was like, "Hey, let's not forget, I brought you into this shit." This right. nigga was like, "Is you is you done?" <laughs> you done here? Can I leave now? I leave now. You done? <laughs> you running your fucking mouth, bro? I got shit to do. I brought you in here. Remember your place, basically. That's what Frank saying. Remember your place. And no real shit. He's already far gone. He's gone already. He's out here, please. He, you fool now. No, for sure. I'm gonna get you off the table in a minute. Hold on. <laughs> Watch this old head. This niggas is you done or? I got shit to do. We gotta get five million. Remember? Mm-hmm. And different yeah. Made it happen to his credit. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Going going into the next scene, because you know the next scene is the the, the right. scene. No, but even before that, we got to talk about this: the fact that he get the poolside scene with Elvira, and now mm-hmm. all of a sudden she's very open to moving forward with him. It's just jarring. Like she just here. It's just like. What the fuck? Just because you being curved, you know, where she just open. You he play, yo. You just pull up on her while you chilling, while she chilling at the dude's spot. It ain't even like she out in public and you call This nigga was in a full white suit laying poolside. Yeah, and proposed to someone else's wife in their house. I was just about to say, bro, he bust this gun, didn't he? I'd have killed the that show. nigga said, "I want you to have my kids." Fuck the boys. I want to marry you. Like you hardly know me. <laughs> he said, "Listen, fuck all that. Listen to me." He said, "Frank, Frank, about to be out the way right then." Like, all right, Dad, we can see. He straight out of you, like Frank saw. Like Frank, he's not gonna last. And then we get to the scene with Oliveira, and it's just like, <laughs> I hate you. I hate <laughs> Oliveira. <laughs> <laughs> and he just proposing to somebody else's wife in their house. Oh. He bust his gun, bro. In between time. It's not even like she called him over there. He just pulled up. <laughs> he just there. She came outside. He already laid out. like, oh, hey. That nigga said, I want you to have my kids. But it comes out of nowhere, though. Like, it's very random. She hasn't liked you anywhere. There's no reason to believe she's going to accept you. Like, why wouldn't she call Frank on you right there? That's what I'm saying. But what surprised me was during the conversation, she, she got into it. She, Right. What about Frank? He said, listen, he's a bitch. Like, <laughs> he's a pussy. But the, the, uh, it's just like, it just, yeah, he didn't even set it up. Like I said, you need to justify why something is happening. Like, we know Frank is going to solve, but we don't know why Oliveira will care more about Tony than she already has at this point. She's yeah. talking about something, be careful. The last time we seen her, she was curving him. And it wasn't like she was giving him, <laughs> she was finessing the last time we seen her, she told him, I don't fuck with the help. <laughs> and that's the last time we seen her. Acting stupid. Right. And then out of nowhere, she just uh, nose wide open for Tony. You see what I'm saying? That's why I, was, I hated the evolution of that. Because it's not an evolution. It just happens. Well, so... Yeah. <laughs> Bro, we ain't got to spend too much time there. Let's go. Right. Down the club scene with the cop. The first time we seen a cop. <laughs> this is the funny thing. The whole movie. The whole movie. Really? And we don't even know if he is a cop. Because why he didn't you talk his little shit? 
Why didn't you show up in uniform? Detective, you didn't do anything. You just pulled up and immediately started leveraging him. And to that point, Tony's like, all right, how much is going to cost to get you up, get you off my bet? Well, number one, we need to talk about how he didn't care what he talked about because in this scene, he came in the club and saw Gina in there with somebody dancing. The important part of the scene is seeing Gina dancing with someone. Exactly. Just exactly. Background noise. Even the cop, because the cop never factors in again. Never. No, no he don't. Not with any leverage power. No, not with any. Not with any sense of realism. Like you don't serve any anything in this plot other than to exaggerate Tony's character. Facts. And at the end of the day, the way he came in there. It's like, it's obvious to say somebody put him on you. How the fuck you know who I am? I thought I was the hell. How you know I'm about the Rebanga hit? Like, it's obvious. There's no subtlety whatsoever. Y'all not even low. Exactly. I was a nobody when I killed Rebanga. No one, how do you even know who Rebanga is? <laughs> That's what I was, can you spell Rebanga? Spell right. You not know. <laughs> you not. <laughs> I can spell Rebanga. R-O Banga. <laughs> That nigga came in. It was basically just a shakedown scene. Yeah, it's like we got you. We got you in a position where you really can't do nothing. We're gonna shoot a cop in broad daylight. Fact. He was like, "Listen, this is what you're gonna pay me every month. We're gonna make sure we do it in the dark." (laughs) Facts. Fact. But he said, "Ooh, that's a big number." And walked away. <laughs> he said, "Yep, that's on a monthly basis." I was like, "Man, fuck you!" Right, this serves no purpose, and it never comes up again. That's my business. A lot of this shit is so pointless. No so filler. Then he goes and stalks his sister into the bathroom. We're home. Oh my god! I'm, I'm putting the music right here while we talking. I'm putting the music. <laughs> I'm putting- <laughs> this nigga's face was like. Right, his soul just dropped to his ass. <laughs> nigga, I'm putting the yo. You gonna laugh how much I put this fucking beauty? <laughs> you see, your sweet little baby is about to get deflowered in the bathroom. She is about to get drawn. <laughs> He's about to go to the window. Oh, wow. <laughs> that thing will fuck me up. It was a crowded bathroom, bro. Love in this club. You gotta put it right here. He's about to go real in that stuff. Oh shit! Matter of fact, before we even get into the, I'm still putting the music, but we get into the fact that number break. He was added to fourth wall breaks out of post. Bro, I'm gonna put the acapella in the music of like. But no. Remember we're free. He wanted to cry. Yo, settle. No. <laughs> that nigga was hurt seeing her dance. He was sitting there like, this bitch is crazy. Yeah, you don't see me? Man, if they could have twerked in the 80s, she would have been down there giving it up. Yo, all they doing is hitting the monkey and shit off Johnny Bravo. Right. You I was like, what the fuck? You mad twist? <laughs> it's funny they were doing the same dance he did with Oliveira. 
That'd have hurt his heart. <laughs> well, he was just jumping up and down behind her like a monkey and shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> he went in the bathroom and dragged the shit out of that boy over his sister. He put, he put hands and feet on that nigga. He treated that son like a twister boy. Dog. But the fact that Alvera and Frank came in right after the cop was so telling. Yeah. Y'all not low. Yeah. You're not low. You're not low, bro. Here and it's like we know what's up. And then immediately after Frank left, the hit the hit squad was there. It's like we know what's up. That's what I'm saying. Y'all not even in me. But this this part showed this part showed he wanted to show Alvera. Watch how I talk to your nigga right now. He right. put his arm around her. Right, he was like, like, like mine. It's like, yo, you in the way. But we already knew that. It's like, if you just cut out the pool scene, this is all. Exactly. Exactly. Because he was like, yeah, you got to get your own woman. Right. He was like, what you mean? I, I got one right here. This is all the more effective. And it makes more sense of why Oliveira would be open to Tony because now he's talking to the boss like the help. It's like, oh, you got the power now. And clearly she was only following the money. So it's like, oh, this is what I wanted me. So if you just cut out the pool scene, then this works all the more better. This would have been perfect. Exactly. But this movie wants to beat you in the face for three hours with stuff you already know. Bro, exactly. And then right after that, right after they get up and leave, Manny come over there and he looking at the dance floor. The music starts. <laughs> <laughs> the zoom in Right it show her um, getting dragged to the bathroom number one. Yeah, it's real creepy. Like, okay, I understand why you would be hot about this. Yeah. Like, like, if you just cut out the scene where he's staring at them dance and you skip straight to that, it justifies his actions all the more. I wish they'd have did it because it would have made sense. Yeah, at this point he's just like an over possessive brother. But if you agree, she's getting dragged to the bathroom, then it's like. Oh, okay. Tony is justified. He's not just a that's trying to clock his sister vagina. Fact, fact. Because it showed him going in the stall, and she was getting coked up. She was getting boosted in that club. How uh, she money say it and paid it full? And the bitches? Oh, the bitches! Yo, yo, God, the way he came in that bathroom, he kicked that fucking door off the hinges. Kool-Aid man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, he came in there and kicked the stall the fuck in. She was like, <laughs> Tony. She didn't get her clothes off yet. Ain't nobody do nothing. <laughs> He grabbed that nigga by the lapel on his suit jacket. Get the fuck out! It's like going on there. No, he, yo, oh my God. He said, get him the fuck out the bathroom. He grabbed her by her whole face. Come here, come here. You can't tell me what to do! I'm telling you what to do. Listen, listen to me. Come here. I catch you here again. Did you hear me? I catch you here again. I'm gonna wipe you all over this fucking place. Oh, do you yeah. understand, Jack? Yeah, Jack. go ahead. Do it now. I wanna see it. Slap the shit out of her. 
Yo, yes, he did. Because she started popping her little shit. She was right, though. She said, I'm not a kid anymore. Where she she was right. Where she number one. Where did she find that You're 19. I'm going to fuck who I want. What? He, <laughs> yo, the palm was this wide, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that shit. Mm. Play it with me, yo. That was one of the... One, two, three, four. <laughs> 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 Like, she had a point that she did. It was like, all right, you're grown. You're going to live your life, and you're going to have fun. I get that. You t And then Tony, she had one, one up on something like, you told her, go have fun. You told her, go live life. And then she's doing that, and then you upset. Right. And you gave her the money to do it. But uh, she was right up until she wasn't, because she was like, I'm going to fuck who I want. It's like, what? You he said, hold on, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yo, it would have been funny as shit if it would have paused the screen like they used to do on the crime shows where they walk and look at you like it was at this moment that he knew he fucked up and then it went back to the scene and he's like oh bitch bullshit out of that she's straight fine <laughs> and then Manny right showed him the crying on he said come, come on, on man you ain't got it you... <laughs> taste out your mouth too <laughs> I wish she just smacked him like don't fucking touch her leg <laughs> <laughs> he smacked yeah. no, be better. He smacked the words out of my mouth Like as soon as she said fuck <laughs> Yo what First of all she, she, she fell this way Her feet was to the side And then she fell <laughs> He smacked fire out her <laughs> This scene hilarious now. Bro this Oh my god He smacked fire out that bitch Oh man but From there From there <laughs> He said, y'all got me fucked up. He went back to his little section and got zooted. Like, got zooted. It was still hot. Bro, I'm putting that part. He had his boot with little as shit sitting up on the chair. His boot. Bro, you know you zooted when your foot laying this way. <laughs> he was sitting there in the chair dipping like this. He said, these goddamn bitches stressing me out. Y'all got me fucked up. It, all right. So, and then the movie just does away with everything again because then immediately after Frank and I barely the hit squad walks in. Like, what was the cop? What was the cop there for if he was going to kill him? That's what, you, what I'm saying. What did you have the strong man for if he was going to kill him anyway? Are we even going to get into the fact that they weren't low at all? They was just staring at him the whole time. We just pulled guns out <laughs> in broad daylight. No one bad. They're not even watching the show. Like I said, it's just like Grand Theft Auto. You just pull the gun out and no one cares. It's like, what, bro? I agree. And it wasn't until he said it. He all obvious trying to cover up, that, cover up the extender with a handkerchief. Like, bro, we can see the barrel. You got Come on, bro. Come you, on, bro. You focus right on it. There's nothing subtle about it. You're not. I mean, you look nervous. That's what I'm Leave that man alone. He got his little boot up on the table. He chilling. And that nigga three L's back to back. The love is like oh. on him. His sister is uh fucking the fucking the, the help. Co -core. She high and fucking the help. And the police. <laughs> and the police this is a bad night. This is a bad night. <laughs> if Zack Snyder wrote this movie, he'd have turned into the Joker. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> But even before they started to do the hit, we got to talk about how the fact when Manny was driving Gina home. Yeah, that's a that's a good scene. That's a really good scene. Very, very. Go ahead, talk to him. Manny tries to explain um, Tony's actions better than Tony can. 
So he just do what Tony's doing. It's like he's just looking at you. He still sees you like his little kid sister or whatever. And to the movie's credit, I mean, it doesn't make any moves. Like it's obvious we know she know he wants her, but <clears throat> she makes the first move, which makes it the relationship all the more better. It's like in a way, this movie does the Oliveira and Tony relationship better with Manny and Gina. You know what I'm saying? I agree because it's like like you just said he he wasn't intentionally going to go at her. She was on some shit like um. He was scared. Well, I mean, I don't know why he think he's exactly. She was like, "Are you scared of him?" He said, "Hey, hey, I'm not scared of nobody." Yeah, okay, play with me. I, I let you out right here. You can walk. Nah, real shit. No, nah, for real. He said, "I hope your fucking face burn, bitch." Right. <laughs> she went straight from. She went straight from him. She went from dick to dick. Like you was with the help, now you trying to be with the with the man. Like what's wrong with you? Chill out. With the right hand. Real red. And then I'm she, just, she wastes no time. She's like, she like, why don't you? Why don't you be with me? It's like to that point. He was like, hey, hey, hey. But that's another jarring thing. He was like, that, why? She doesn't even know you exist for real, for real. Like he was in the car. The she last, was so quick. Right, he was in the car the last time we saw you, and then she's like, I see the way you look at me. I was like. How do you see that? <laughs> Where did this I'm happen? just now looking at you. Like, there's no tension whatsoever. Like, we knew he liked you, but we didn't know you knew that. It just pops out the blue. She's just a little fast ass. Yeah. Yeah. She's a typical next She's a little fast ass. You gotta think about That's it. That's my point. She, a little she was under the thumb of her mother and wasn't allowed to live. Then you just basically pop, give her a... Um, uh, credit card with no spending limit on it, and right, ain't nobody gonna really fuck with her because her her brother the biggest thing moving right now. You know what I'm saying, so now she just got a whole ain't never locked. So she can go fulfill whatever her internal desires are. I agree. For the first time, that's that's how it always is. It's like the the dichotomy of what people talk about somebody being a preacher's kid. Mm -hmm. You're so stuck under the thumb your whole life. She was ready to let loose, but based on the same, I think the scene was great in the sense that it contextualized Tony. But that's the problem with it; it only yeah. contextualizes Tony. It doesn't really, it doesn't advance the plot much, and it doesn't develop those two as characters on their own. They're only existing as something to juxtapose Tony with or establish more of Tony's character. They aren't their own people. Because, <laughs> like you said, the whole dominated by the allure of Tony. It's like you're scared of Tony. I'm not doing this because of Tony. Tony did this because, because, because Tony, 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 Tony. It isn't Gina and me. It's, let's explain. It's very slightly. Yeah, let's explain Tony. And then it's like the super giant thing where she just is fully aware she has, he has the hot score. And it's like, but the movie doesn't support that by any way. She just says it because we should know. It's, it's too reliant on us knowing shit that y'all should just say. Or shown. I agree. You got three hours of our time. We've been saying this the whole time. To just tell us stuff. To tell us stuff. I agree. Just, like, in a way, a roundabout way, there could have been more club scenes. Like, if you did less, if you spent less time having Tony's head shoved up out of there's ass, <laughs> more scenes with Manny and... They're like more drug meetups in the club, and Manny is slowly interacting with Gina. Yeah, 
And this, while Tony's making shit happen, you know what I'm saying Tony's making moves, and, and that would be true to t- Manny's character because Manny wasn't really interested in the business side; he was more in it for the thrills. You know what I'm saying, yeah, he he wanted what come with the shit, and that would have been a natural progression. But instead, we get this jarring ass pull where it's like, I know you like me, and it's like, well, how did you know that he was in the car the last time you saw him? Like, and you didn't even look at him, right? You didn't even know he existed, and he don't even he didn't even know your name. Now all of a sudden, y'all always had the hots for each other. Fuck out of here, Thanks. man. Thanks. Because he almost got backhand smacked the last time he even complimented Jazz. Right. <laughs> the first time he seen you at that, they like, he been knew you. That nigga said she, he's like, hey, hey. Like, damn, you, you can't call your sister cute? <laughs> What's going on, guard? Yeah, said, God damn, <laughs> not about this one. Bro. And that's that's to the part where um the hitmen, they start shooting the club up. The whole thing. Cops don't come at all. <clears throat> That's my point. Where the fucking wake up that shit there? Like, the cop that was so called there. And then you got a reason to go in. Bro, they got up with submachines. Then it was like some plot armor because he made it out alive. Like, I understand, like, he had military training, but military training don't make you bulletproof, bro. <laughs> he got hit in the shoulder. Yeah, hitting his shoulder, and then he was able to dodge every other bullet that was shot directly in his section. Like, come he on! He was just on tilt, lean back. You're high out your mind. Now you're full. Now you're Captain America. Like, come on, bro. Yo, the way he got up out of there, he was able to kill both. Of them. He was able to kill both of them with leg shots, and then walk. I his, know. But him getting shot in the shoulder was just a flesh wound. Bro, I, you think he he was all up on adrenaline too? Then he would have died after he came down. <laughs> Shit, that's a fact. Adrenaline don't make you invulnerable. It just makes you not feel the shit for the moment it happens. As soon as you ass would get off that high. <laughs> Thanks. I feel like that. that's only granted that he would have got hit more than once. Okay. It was just that the, the hitman was incompetent as fuck. He had got submachines. He had the Call of Duty health system where he could just go hide behind the wall for three seconds and he would be cool. <laughs> he was hiding behind the, uh, the mascot boy. That boy, yeah, the, the boy that died. And then <laughs> uh, he go find Manny and they go, uh, that's when they go kill Frank. Yeah, yep. They go and see them niggas. Mm-hmm. And the cop boys there, the cop that we don't even know is a cop. And even Tony's he's like, how do I even know you're a cop? You don't show no badge, nothing. You just pull up and you sitting with this drug lord. Like, I don't even That's know what I'm saying. And even even in that scene where he called Manny, that already speak on that. They take back what Gina was talking about when he called Manny. Manny was in the bed with some white girl. Right, some two two of them. It's random. Random as fuck. It's like we don't need this scene. <laughs> what did this mean? That's what I'm saying. It'd have been all the more interesting if he was if he was still talking with Gina. Exactly. And, they were developing that way. And then Tony calls and he's with Gina or whatever. I gotta go. That's what I'm saying. It should have been something more interesting. Now we in this filler scene where he's being the womanizer that we know him to be. Exactly. Well, finally being able to. He got smacked a couple times. <laughs> yeah. He not <laughs> no more. This nigga just stuck his tongue out of the bitch in the pool. She's like, ew. Get it. Damn. Damn. Man, he'd have been on Dateline. <laughs> what? Like he tried that now. He called, bro. He called her a lesbian. <laughs> Cancel the fuck out of you. Yo, what? But then uh, Tony met up with his soldiers. Mm-hmm. And they went to go. the pig. And they went to party. They popped up on free. I like that scene though, because 
that that plays with the drama and suspense. Like I said, this movie does stuff well. It just doesn't do it well enough. But it's like, we know you try to take me out. He knows you try to take him out. And then you yeah. go dumb in front of everybody's face. It's like, no. And then Tony's credit. He's like, I know what you did to me, yo. <laughs> he wasn't going for shit. No, now, all right, we we getting ahead of ourselves. We got to talk about the fact that he told him to call um to call Frank at exactly three a.m. right and tell him we we missed. He got away right. So when he got in front of him, the call came and he wanted to see if he was gonna lie about who called. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a great scene. Yeah, it was a really good scene. Like the movie does stuff well, and then uh my favorite one of my favorite lines in the movie. He's like, "No, nah, I'm not going to kill you." Manny, shoot that bitch! Like he's like, no. <laughs> he bitched up quick, didn't he? Then he killed the cowboy. He's like, hey, you want a job? Yeah. Yo, oh, you talking about Ernie? <laughs> Ernie, you want a job? But <laughs> well, Frank bitched up faster. She said, "Listen, I got ten million dollars. <laughs> you can have everything." I don't need your money, Frank. You got to... down on his knees like a bitch. I made five million a month. I don't need your ten. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, pussy. Wait, I'm printing money now. Fact, I no, I, yo. That's so iconic. I love that you said that. I ain't gonna kill you, man. Kill it. <laughs> this ain't hard. <laughs> that that that's ain't hard as fuck. That's under you. Like that should be more in the culture. I love that. He came in, bro, with the arm sling and the fat-ass suit jacket. Right. Yo. <laughs> no, that was a great one. Walking out before he checked. Thanks. Shot like, the Shot the he was popping his shit, though. Now we can insert it in right here. The scene, definitely insert it in. Yeah, I'll put that in there. Hello. It's all right. I'm going to be home in an hour. Don't worry. Hey, Frank. You a piece of shit. Nah, Tony, what are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about, you fucking cockroach. What are you talking about? Come on, you listen to me, huh? Do you know what a hustle is, Frank? That's a pig that don't fly straight. Neither do you, Frank. I stay loyal to you. I made what I could on the side, but I never turned you, Frank. Never. Well, you, a man ain't got his word. It's a cockroach. This you give me a second chance, not Tony. You, you do that, please. Tony, come on, I'm begging you. Get him, Jesus! Get him! No! <laughs> Please. Oh, I won't kill you. Oh, Christ, thank you. Get off. Thank you. Thank you. Well, no, no. Shoot that piece of chip. No, 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 no. Yeah, he's popping heavy. And he like, hey, I ain't going to shoot you. Hey, man, kill this. <laughs> <Eat that motherfucker. laughs> like, oh. Well, like, oh, shit. <laughs> movie it's a lot of it's a lot of slog to get to the stuff you want to see that's my point I eat the rappers clips and they songs yeah it's like if you can experience the bulk of this movie through 
rap albums. You don't actually have to sit and watch this movie. And like I said earlier in the pod, the greatest, you can go look up the greatest hits on YouTube and you don't actually need the content. You can just go watch it. Like, I'm going to watch right now. <laughs> well, after we get off this Zoom, I'm going to go watch that scene. No, that, bro, you ain't never fucking watched. And then this one, not like it's something you want to sit through to get to that point. You just want to watch that part. So you go, go pull it up. You don't actually need to sit through. I think to this point, we were two hours in, two hours of fluff to get to that great scene. Fact. Fact. Because he shot the cop. Can't shoot a cop. He's like, who the fuck said you was a cop anyway? Whoever said you was one. Wait a minute! The same thing everybody was saying. He didn't show no badge, no nothing. You just pull up. And who like, are you? Like, the next time we see you, you with the drug lord. It's like, well, you ain't no cop. And then he kills with him. your feet kicked up. Then you come and there's no consequences. He kills him and nothing happens. Nothing. Nothing, nothing. happens. Nothing. Oh, yeah, you, it's you, not even brought up again. Like I said, stuff just happens. <laughs> that nigga said, fuck you! Right. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, he shot it right in his gut. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Moving on. Next scene. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. He had Ernie scared as shit. You want a job, Ernie? Sure, sure Tony. Tony. <laughs> okay, then you call me tomorrow. Hey, Tony. Thanks. Not the next thing, I get the next thing. When he went to go pick up Elvira. Mm hmm. And he just, now he's just mine mm -hmm. now. I killed him here, and he's just mine now. That nigga straight said, Pack your shit. You coming with me. Don't got no house. Like Nothing. you can't call. <laughs> the face said, Come on, get your shit together. We out. She was like, What happened to Frank? He was like, Frank's gone. Frank Pack your shit. <laughs> and then this is the iconic Goodyear blimp scene. Yeah, the Goodyear blimp. Which I think is overrated. Because I didn't even pay attention to it when I saw it. You ain't even peep it? No, I didn't pay it any mind. I saw it and I'm like, okay. Like, man, you shoot this fucker. It's way more iconic than the Goodyear blimp. That shit was, yo, I ain't gonna shoot you, Frank. Hey, man, that part hard. Bro. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, it's Tony. You're worth my bullets. <laughs> <laughs> but I just like the good year part. That's just, bro. You never saw this movie, you're going to know about that scene no matter what. What? Ice Cube was on the good year clip, too. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, for real. After the Lakers beat the Supersonics. But, Yo, uh, shut up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, chill out, bro. Chill out. <laughs> All right, shit. It's, we ain't got to stick around on that. The next scene, this nigga just getting paper. Yeah, the montage. Like, I love that about 80s movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with the little white music that make you want to hit this shit. With Gene Simmons breakout music. Yo, real shit. <laughs> <laughs> Open up on them putting cash in the money counter. Him yeah. and Sosa acting like girlfriends on the phone, laughing at the fuck up. Bag up, but then after that, um, I think you get busted, right? No, am I skipping? Well, yeah, you skipping a few things. When they start putting money in the bank, this is what, um. I didn't see that, bro. Got... No. Do we? No. No, 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 no. What I'm, what I'm about to go into is during this montage, you gotta remember they got married. Yeah. Like yeah. after he, he he bought Gina her hair salon and everything now. So when up. they get married, yeah, him, her and Manny relationship. Oh, wow, the money. Exactly. 
Yeah, buying a realty company and a management companies and all of the the, the, the legitimate businesses. The legitimate businesses to watch the money. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But when him and Elvira get married and the way Gina and uh, Mandy look at each other, they get you like, oh, y'all sneaking. No, you're like, y'all next up. That's- I was like, ooh, Tony gonna kill you. That subtlety done well, where it's like you have to put it together and you have to catch it. Facts. It wasn't even no words. This was still a montage. Yeah, it was like subtle. It's in there. It's a breadcrumb. Which if, exactly. I love that. Frustrating because you see the stuff the movie does well in the movie. It's like why can't you do that consistently? Why? That's my point. It's like they had so many strong points, but never a strong baseline. Right. Or it does certain stuff well, but it shits the bed at the end. It never sticks the landing. Facts. I'm actually, since we on here, let me let me say a quick thing. This is something one of the only scenes that made anything in the beginning cohesive. Like in this scene, they actually show that his wedding gift was he actually got a Benegal tiger. Mm-hmm. This Look takes it back to when, yeah, this takes it back to when he was flirting with Elvira. And mm-hmm. Manny was saying, like, he, he's been making me take him to the zoo. He actually think he's going to get a tiger now. Right. He got that fucking tiger. Exactly. I'm allowed in the passenger seat. <laughs> right. Get- Shit that at the moment, you was like, this don't mean anything. But all right, now exotic. we get it. So exotic. <laughs> How, yeah, that's totally exotic. No care. From there, bro. Got the little frosty fake mascot sitting on the front porch. That's a flat sight I've ever seen one. <laughs> what? I, guess, I just feel like everything about the hip-hop culture we see in these scenes, everything. Mm-hmm. Talking about cleaning money. This is made hip-hop. Animals. Yeah, this is framed hip-hop going forward. Like, hip-hop is already, yeah. hip-hop was already rugged by then in the early 80s. Then, I guess it kind of framed it in a way. It just... Because the 90s is when it really got to, like, street rap. 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, it was bubblegum in the 80s. <laughs> Sugar Hill Gang. It hit, yeah. It, hit it, it only got hard in like 88 when um, Straight Outta Compton came off. There was some, uh, there was some though. Like, uh. But are we talking about when it got popularized? Yeah, the, the general, because it was, yeah, it was that fun, uh, little bebop, reboying type of hip hop. And then there was people like, don't push me, because, oh, uh, <laughs> people like Big Daddy Kane, uh, who was rapping that type of flow. Where it was like, oh, this is that real. And then that kind of, after like, after Scarface, that kind of surfaced itself where rap was more so street. Exactly. And shit, alright. He framed it. Every rapper was Tony Montana. <laughs> That's what Art thought they was. Come on, man. Yeah. And then now, when we're done with that part. You really act like you sold drugs for Escobar in the 80s. <laughs> 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 Yo, real shit. I just feel like everybody stole this story. That's all it is. Yeah. But after the montage is over, it hops right into him having a conversation with um his big his big portfolio manager. Mm-hmm. When they was trying to raise the premiums, and it's it's just, uh, Tony's distrust, like how far gone he is, the exaggeration of that character, the natural progression is someone who already didn't trust his friends, and now he. Too big for his own britches and is out of touch. He's evolving. He's out of touch with everything in society, including this girl he's been fawning over for two hours. And now he treats her like a fucking thing. She's not even real. She's a toy. Yes. Team. And yes. 
he has no trust for anything. He has security. He's spending an insane amount of money on security cameras. 12% of a profit on security. Just to sleep well at night because he has no trust for anything. That nigga said, it makes me sleep well. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) I was like, okay. But what was so weird, he's so up and down. Like Even in this scene where he was arguing with the bank dude, and he was like, fuck you, I'll take the money and fly it to the Bahamas. He's like, you don't want to do that shit. You trust us. He got right. That's what I'm saying. He got right back friendly with him. Not even being smart right now. You sound stupid. Right, and if Tony probably had more people like that around him and not as many yes men to Manny's discredit, then the movie probably would have played out a whole lot differently. I agree. As we're going to talk about the the gold box of lines of cocaine this nigga had at this point. Yes, and then he dug it out. <laughs> that nigga hitting him up. Uh, uh. Just, just doing rails. This nigga was going dumb. And then him and Manny start bumping heads because I remember at this point he thought it was a stakeout going on outside the estate. Yeah, he thought the people that was put the in cable company you paid for was out to give. Like, are you that crazy, my guy? He said, "How long does it take to wire a fucking camera? They've been there three days." Like, yo, he was like, "To wire your whole house in three days, bro?" Bro, Manny was what the head of security at this point. Yeah. He was just trying to explain it to him, like, bro, relax. I'm going to go check it out. It's the 80s. They probably got a 12,000 feet of Ethernet cord running through your front door. <laughs> fact. Fact. And then the next, this is when he, he wanted to talk about Settle Bomb, right? No, I think the next thing is he in the tub, and he just... No, no. The, the same scene right here when he was talking about the cameras. Manny was trying to arrange a deal with some drug dealer called Settle Bomb. Right. And he was trying to get him to consider it, and Tony was already like, no, you don't do that. You worry about security. I make shit happen. Stay in your lane. Right. The same way how Stay in your lane. He was talking to them. Turn my pages, exactly. bitch. Never mind if we put you in every room to be who you are. Manny puts you in every room. I agree. It just sucks that this time Tony was right, but we're going to get into that. Um, The next thing, like you said, he was in a big-ass tub. It just means, like, ultimately, we don't really need this scene. But it don't at all. It establishes his character a little bit more. It it, it established him isolating himself from everybody. Out of touch, it's like you form, especially when it comes to Alvera. Like there was already seeds of you not trusting Manny or you thinking Manny was just a tool. But with Alvera, you fawned over her for two and a half hours to this point. Now she's just a thing. Yo, now he just like all you do is just sit here. So now you sound like Frank. Like all you do is get high. You don't do nothing. Go work something. That's what I'm saying. Th- th- this gives an iconic scene, too, where, where um, after she left, he was like, Elvie, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was on the kid. And then after Mandy left, he oh, said, yeah, who do I trust? Me. Alvira says it. She's like, you're just like Frank now. And he ain't, he ain't feel that at all. He <laughs> was not going. <laughs> so what you mean? I ain't no pussy. <laughs> like, so playing with me. So before I get out this fucking tub, I'm like, you making me miss my ex before. before that's the, what she hit him with. Yeah, he was about to kill her. He was about to go upside her head. He's like, you know, I trust me. None of you. <laughs> me. He said, who put this together? Hey, fuck you, man. Who put this thing together? Me. That's who. Who do I trust? Me. Fuck. Trust. Me. 
That's where you be like, objection? Objection! Position. You've been to at this point. You ain't just watching on the politicians. Yelling at the TV! Said they, they don't want this because they profit off it. And I guess that's the movie talking to, to the audience at that point. Like, do you think these politicians you root for or you think are heroes, they don't want this to stop because they got money in this. They make money. Exactly. exactly. And the next scene goes that further. Not the next scene, but the dinner scene, which I love. Well, no, even before that, even before that, one thing I wanted to say was this is the same thing like what we were saying with the bank teller dude. He's mm-hmm. so up and down that he, first of all, it's very established early in the movie. He He's the muscle of the operation, but Tony was never smart. Right. He was never smart. It's like he, he could, he'll pop his shit, but his decision making was never cohesive. Flawed. He was focused and driven, but he didn't think things through. He just did it. And he was getting high now. Getting high off your own supply, violating rule number two. No, number two. Exactly. So this scene, mind you, he shut down the whole idea of meeting up with Saddlebaum, the the deal that Manny was setting up. Mm-hmm. But the next scene after the tub scene, that's exactly who he counting his money up with. Right. And they turned out to be undies. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, bro, y'all not giving us no reason to think that he mean what the fuck he's saying. Oh, it's a root for this guy anymore. Now we're because he's retarded. Now we're fully locked in on his demise. Now we're supposed to. At this point, the movie was supposed to make was making you root for him because stuff was working out, even though he was being really rash. Stuff was working Very. out, and now like stuff is blowing up in his face, and he's out of touch. This movie's going out of way to show you, like, all right, this is a demise for Tony. Yeah, like a very de-evolution, like we were saying the other day. Mm-hmm. With uh, Whiplash. From there, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> From here, we get into the part where he goes to meet with his very fucking expensive lawyer. They can't help him. They can't help you. It's like yo, you gotta serve time either way. And the minimum like, is five years. I'm not going in the cells, like bro. If you just play ball, you probably won't even do a dime a time at all. That's what I'm saying. It was this was fucked what up because the lawyer doesn't come out of the cup again. That's my point. Tony doesn't no time. Like if he would went to jail, he'd probably still be alive. <laughs> True, but you got to remember right after the scene with the lawyer, he went back to Bolivia. Yeah, to make the deal. Because yeah, Sosa and them had a way to get their people in DC to make sure he didn't go to jail. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Right. 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 Because when he met with the Buddha, don't speak any English. Exactly. Basically, he had a contingency plan up his sleeve. I'm not going to jail. Fuck all y'all. Yeah. Okay. And then they went to go bomb the uh, the the rat, basically, who's doing the world tour and the world on drugs. Yeah, he was. Uh, they 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 had showed him something on CNN, and they was like, you know, we got somebody we need you to take care of. What so you want to take for? Doesn't make any sense. Say it again. Listen, five. What do they need Tony there for? If the guy was going to bomb him. They said the guy didn't speak any English, but the motherfucker can read him a GPS. <laughs> they know he knows what he looks like and he knows where he's at. He doesn't really need Tony to escort him there. It was a loyalty test in my opinion. Okay. It yeah. was just a more of a you do this, yeah. Cause yeah. they was on some shit like, um, you gonna do this with one of my guys. If you do this for me, I'm gonna scratch your back as well. Right. Cause remember all Tony had to do was drive. Yeah. 
Just shut up in there. Imagine now he got a moral compass. You done smacked your sister and disrespect. That's what I said. You don't want no women or kids to die. I'm like what? Yeah, oh, wait, you before, before we even like you shot this fool in broad daylight in front of everybody. Killed his girl. Thanks. Now you have a moral compass. Now there's something wrong with that. No women, no kids, right? Now, now that's what it is, right? But even before we get into that part, right after that scene with Sosa, the, the dinner scene you was talking about. Yeah, my favorite scene in the movie. Go ahead, you can start it off. Well, the same, more of the same really happens is further establishing that Tony is out of touch with the world and it's what's going on and how distant he's become with his wife or whatever. And the scene I really like is when, because that's why I say, like, even though this movie is kind of like, it does movie stuff wrong, I wouldn't, I don't want to live in a world where this movie doesn't exist. Because without this scene, right. we don't get Razor Ramon. <laughs> without Razor Ramon, I do not want to live in this world. Thanks. <laughs> no, that's a fact. The movie does the thing I like when the movie starts to talk to the audience. It's like, y'all need people like me. Y'all love people like me. Y'all need to laugh at someone to make you okay, feel like just a bad guy. About your poor, your poor life decisions. So, like we were talking about earlier in the podcast, where it was, it's perfectly fine being normal, but Tony wasn't about to be sit there and be normal. And then. It's like, y'all need someone to laugh at. Y'all need me. Well, say goodnight to the bad guy. It's like, it's oh. the last time you're going to see it. We were like, oh. Like, Let's go. <laughs> Somehow, Vince McMahon is the only person on Earth that never saw Scarface. Right, come on now. I think this was the scene. He talked his emotion. Yeah, this is the this is the scene that makes the movie. Yeah, hell, it, it ties it all together and shows exactly where it's going from here. And it does, like. Right. It treats the audience with some sense of respect because it says like, "Yeah, y'all need people like me." Y'all, it starts talking to the audience, but he's like talking to the people. It's like, "Y'all need people like me." Y'all. I feel like his inner thespian came up because I know he was doing uh, um, off Broadway plays before he got his big roles. Mm-hmm. Like so most- him coming, exactly him addressing the crowd like this was like, "Oh man." Mm. But he popped his shit out. At this point, you coked out and drunk up, falling over yourself. Your wife then threw a drink on you, and then he about to lecture us? Okay, kiddo. He deserved that shit. Yeah, he, he said, love it. This nigga leaned in on Manny. He said, you know, I can't even have a little baby with her. Her womb is so polluted. You didn't even know this. Like you said, the movie just pulls Why out. Why did you say that? Her womb is so polluted. You don't even see it like a sex scene between y'all or any tension where it's like y'all can't. They never touch each other. There's no subtext, no nothing. You just say it. And it's like, okay, I guess y'all can't have kids. To this point, we didn't know y'all tried. That's what I'm saying. He just started popping that shit. I wonder why there's always Manny playing the middleman between their arguments. Every time we see them three together, it's the same scenario. Mm-hmm. I think it's Manny's just always the third wheel. That's what I'm saying. And that's his right hand. It doesn't. Yeah, like as we said with Gene, like with the same between Manny and Gina, it, Manny doesn't really exist by himself. He exists as like a proxy to Tony. Exactly. You want to have sympathy for his character. And it's not he. Yeah, he makes a uh, Tony character tangible, and it's not. It, it's to the disservice of Manny's character, but it makes Tony all the more better for it. Which I think is a disservice to the movie altogether. If you're gonna have a character in there, he has to be his own character. He can't just be an ego stroke for another character. I agree. I agree. 
So when she threw that drink on him, he was about to snatch that fucking bob off her head. You earned it, you asshole. Why would you say that to somebody? That's the same thing I said. I said I, think I said that out loud when I was watching. I was like, why would you say that? What do you gain from that? Nothing. Like, he, he was high. You coked up and you drunk now, and then you just rambling in public. She already- Every time he started talking that shit, he always in the seat like this, ain't he? <laughs> <laughs> With the little boot, like always hunchback, looking like he about to pass out. <laughs> All you see is they nose up. He's like, bitch, stop playing. That scene is when there's just a man with a coke in front of him. That's the best scene in the movie. That's, bro, the most iconic scene in the movie. That's on every rap cover. Facts. But when she threw that drink in his face, did you see how he reached for her head? He's about nine. He was going to snatch that bob on her shit. He's like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> Manny hit the uh, Manny hit the club bouncer real quick. Hey, 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 hey. Yo, yo, thanks. He grabbed me like, oh, yo. oh man. But like you said, after he gave his big monologue to the, the people in the restaurant, it kind of felt like he came to. I'm trying to think of the right word. He was content with his demise at this point. Yeah, he was accepting the fact that he was the bad guy. Like he was the. Yeah. He says it, if you didn't think Tony was the bad guy to that point, he says it, say goodnight to the bad guy. I'm the now the bad guy. last time you're going to see it. You shouldn't be rooting for me, movie. And then the movie's like, but the movie also does the thing which I like. It's like, but don't act like you don't like the bad guy or don't like or need the bad guy. You do. Y'all all do, no matter how much y'all say y'all hate these people. Y'all, so. And 30, 40 years later, here we are still talking about it. Exactly. This movie's iconic no matter how you didn't like it, you know? Like, all the technical movie stuff aside and holes in the screen, this movie's iconic and deserves this mount. It deserves this place in every top ten, every Mount Rushmore, whatever you can say. It, it does. It does. Forty years later, two 20-something-year-olds are still talking about this movie. I agree. And it's like, this is like one of those movies... This is one of the most culturally impactful movies of all time. Yeah. And no then, matter what. It's just been right place, right time. But it doesn't matter because it impacted the way it did. It resonated the way it did. <laughs> and for it to be a remake and hit the way it did. Yeah, a remake of a remake of a... <laughs> of a book, exactly. <laughs> like, this is the third cousin of a movie. This is our third crack at this. If it don't work this time, it's time to pack it up. No, that's a fact. This is an incest child movie. Mm-hmm. This <laughs> I wonder how much has changed since then. That would be an interesting thing to do. See the original Scarface or read the book. Neither of which I'm going to do. <laughs> but, I hate you. <laughs> so, this is a, someone on YouTube has probably already done it. Of course they have, but can nobody do it like us? No, uh, we ain't going to start throwing shade yet. Listen, listen to requests. <laughs> Yo, you torture me with more of Scarface. <laughs> you want me to review 1930s and compare it to 1980s? I'm not reading that book. I don't care how much I ask. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you, shit. But I watched 1930s film. I get my black and white on. No, fact. And the, yo, the, I was watching, um, they was watching, Al Pacino was watching the old Scarface, right? Yeah, in the movie. De- definitely was in color. Oh, wow. Right? Wow. In the 30s? Definitely was in color. Because the only reason... Um, 
Wizard of Oz was 1939, I believe. That was in color. Mm, I'm just out of touch. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> in black and white, just cause now. <laughs> just to sit there like this and shit. <laughs> like the old penny flicks. <laughs> Yo, real shit. Niggas gonna wear a monocle to watch it just cause. Act like a real literary connoisseur in there. Hmm, <laughs> that was a good point. I think I'm pretentious now. Wait till I watch 1930s Scarface. <laughs> Bro, real shit. All right, let me. All right, now we're in stakeout scene. Never at the end of the movie. For real, to for be real. honest, this it all falls down from here. Because yeah, him killing Manny is kind of ass pulley. I agree. Him getting like, no, I was talking about. No, I'm just saying like because we could just. I don't want to say we could zoom over it, but we don't really need to see it per se. So because we already touched on the fact that he got a moral compass and not wanting to kill the guy's wife and kids. Out of nowhere, it just happens. Like at this point. Yeah, the, the movie's trying to make him somewhat redeemable, but it's like, for what? We done seen you do all the terrible shit, and now all of a sudden, no women, no kids. You just sat there and disparaged your wife in front of strangers. Probably her deepest, darkest insecurity, but now... I agree. Now you're this good guy. Fuck out of here. <laughs> and, then you, and then you were a good guy. You disparaged your wife in front of all these strangers, and now to this point, now you want to act like you're some redeemable character? Fuck out of here, bro. Spare me with the nonsense. And then you didn't redeem yourself in like a redeemable way. You redeemed yourself by being a villain. You shot the guy. It's like, for what? Everybody's looking at you like, why would you do that? That was a really dumb decision. And it, it was, the movie has it The movie has it out. The movie says we need to be exactly 10 meters to the car. At that point, just hit the brakes and send his ass back home. You didn't have to kill him. What are you doing, guy? I feel like the, the, the point of that part was not only was he doing something he didn't want to do, but dude was agitating his buttons, too. Mm -hmm. I think the movie was trying like, to... I feel like all we've seen from Tony the whole movie is it was just trying to show us that Tony was somebody that don't see no other side other than how he feel about the situation. So when dude kept get closer, get closer, all right, and then he turned the joint on, he was like, man... If Sosa say we're going to do it today, we're going to do it right now. He's like, no woman, no kids. Fuck that. I don't need that in my life. Right. But the thing is, it, it just comes out of nowhere. That was just like, like, him being rash and killing uh, the guy that doesn't speak any English. I always hate when I can't remember a character name because that shows that was a poorly written character. Because I don't know you other than guy who can't speak But he shoots him and it's like, that's a a rash decision that we know Tony will likely make. But if you're going to redeem this character, completely redeem him. Just have him, like, hit the brakes or something. Have him stop tailing the car. Pull off. Anything. But you killing him doesn't... You shooting the guy with the bomb doesn't redeem his character as much as the movie thinks it does. That's what I'm saying. Maybe if Alberto would have survived this scene, it would have been different. Or oh, like I said, just don't follow the car anymore. I'm not doing exactly. this. Exactly. Right, like that would have been that would have been true to Tony's character too if he just like pulls over and is like to go tell Sosa I'm not doing it that way. Now you probably would have still died right, but it would have been more redeemable. It'd have been more and it would have been true to his character. You shooting him making that rash decision, not only does it invalidate your redemption angle, but it also it's like what are you doing? You just doomed yourself. That's what I was just about to say. It might have hit different if you took one L with not doing it, but you doing that and killing his right hand? In the sense of the movie universe, it doesn't make any sense. And as a critic, it doesn't make you any more redeemable. You 
two L's do not make a right, my guy. <laughs> That's a fact. Was, um, That's a fact. There's a term for that. It's, top, it's a poorly executed trolley scenario. The tro- a trolley scenario is when you let's say there's five people tied to one track and a trolley is coming. But if you pull a lever, there's another track over there with one person tied to it. And you pull the lever to save five people or do you not do anything and let five people die and spare the one person. But if you pull the lever, you made the conscious decision to kill that one person that's uh, save five. Uh, interesting moral dilemma, right? Right. This movie does it shittily because he has a different out. He doesn't have to kill the bomb guy. He can just stop following the car. <laughs> like it said multiple times, we have to be 10 meters away. So like, if you really want to redeem Tony, just have him stop following the car. Exactly. Like you go tell I said I'm not doing that shit. I said no women, no kids. Whatever. Right. So have the ending the exact same way, but Tony is redeemed and he's forgivable. At this point, it's like, what are you doing? You're insane. You deserve it. Like at this point, you just make a dumb decision. You're done. You, you deserve it. If you wanted to redeem him, redeem him, but don't half-ass do it. I agree. And then he just digs it deeper in the next scene where they get back to the house. And um, he arguing with Sosa on the phone. Mm-hmm. He just took it up. Because Sosa was like, I told you when we first met, don't fuck me. It ain't going to be another chance because now they found a bomb under the car. Right. You idiot. You rash idiot. <laughs> the way he picked up that phone, who the fuck are you talking to? Like, you forgot who you are. Like, you just Superman now. All right. That's what I'm saying. You high, bro. You just want to be like, relax. Other than Tony, the best character in the movie, he's like, okay. <laughs> Watch this. Yeah, he wasn't arguing with you. We'll put the whole country on you now, fool. <laughs> that nigga said, you want to go to war? We go go to war. Then, um... Hard. He started looking for Manny and he can't find Manny. But to that point, yeah, like, his mom, his mom called. Yeah, and she's looking for Gina. Gina, he couldn't find Gina. And my bad, I had a bad. She was like, "Come to the house." For no reason at all. You told him never contact you, but now you can't find Gina. Now you want him? Get the hell out of here, lady. But um. Oh, and at this point, Elvira's going too. Well, that makes sense. You just disparage her in front of everybody. You lost everything. But- the way he backtracks, we keep saying this, bro. Everything is never consistent. He said, did Elvira call? Well, tell her I love her if she called. He take everything as a joke. I think it's supposed to, though. I agree. Because it's just like he he, he right. don't be meaning what he be saying. He's like, yeah, he's clearly delusional and having thoughts of grandeur. And like, he think he can do whatever he wants for no consequence. Exactly. That's but, the hard talking. Yeah, it's the, the coat. <laughs> But, what was I about to say? Oh, yeah, because I had a problem with this. It's like, they're looking for Vera, uh, not Vera, they're looking for Gina. And it's like, we know, we have an idea where Gina's at. It's like, oh, she's been Manny, obviously, right? But the movie doesn't set it yeah. up. Like, you can assume without any shadow of a doubt she's with Manny. There's no dramatic irony. It's just, oh, we know where this is going. I'm trying to be suspenseful, but we know exactly where she's at. Right. Poorly right. in the ways like if there would have been necessary tea leaves sprinkled throughout of them actually making advances beyond just you know them looking at each other during Tony looking at each other, then it would have been uh perfect. But no, they didn't do that. They just like you said, just pulled it out of ass. It just happens because it has to happen. And then no extra okay. more rash decision making. Even though you were supposed to redeem him, he goes and kills Manny. 
That bro, oh my, I'm dropping the music again right now. <laughs> he opened that fucking door. He was like, <laughs> he just turned into an incredible hole. He, he didn't even think. Man, he just grabbed the joke. Open the door like everything was cool. It's like, bro, you know you hugged up. Hey, man. Hey, what's up? I'm trying to fix your pants. <laughs> right. My sister just walking around in nothing but a robe. You seen her come over the steps talking about some Tony. Like, I was like. Tony knew what was up. Like, Tony knew something was okay. Funniest part, bro, right before he shot him, he looked up at her. <laughs> like, like, I was cracking the fuck up. Oh, he was like, y'all got me fucked up. I must forget who I was. Yo, he blamed this shit, right? This nigga fell hard as shit. What's with him shooting people in their stomach? Right. And then, and then they die. But you they die survive. fast as shit. <laughs> but you survived, though. Yo, he got shot a million times, but we gonna get into it. And then the next scene after that, as, uh, I really don't like that scene because it's so ass pulling. It's like, what do you kill Manny for? For what exactly? Nothing yeah, at all. Yeah. That was rash to say he hide. It's, it's exaggerating his character, and I don't like it when you're just using characters to exaggerate another character. It's like, like this is in their own merit. These last couple of scenes was him alienating himself from everybody that, that was there. Right, everything that he you, made his wife leave. You killed your right hand. Everything you show you cared for, and you're just ruined it. it all. Right, you just throwing it all away. You killed your right hand and destroyed the relationship with your sister in one shot. In one shot, by not thinking, just not chilling. That you nigga. What? It's something about that music. That's what. That's the part that's get it get in his ear. And he's like, "Fuck, like I gotta do so." But um, the what that was instant regret too. You saw his face when he saw him die. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Grab Gina." He was looking at the body like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, like quick. That's the first time he realized his actions have consequences. And then that, the, the next thing she talked out her mind was like, "You don't want anybody to be with me because you want to be with me, Tony. You want." I'm like, "Why is she getting naked? What is going on?" <laughs> Fact. But even before she come in the room, they take her in the house and put her in another room. And he's sitting up there again with just the neck in the scene. Coke melting. <laughs> when they, he dipped his nose and he just had the spot on his head, bro. Melting. It wasn't like he dipped his nose in the line. He dipped his, his nose in a melting. <laughs> they got the dip going. <laughs> Ernie and them came in there. They was trying to talk to him. They're like, bro, you doing a lot. He was just like, get the fuck out of here. And she walks in trying to you. just starts getting naked. She probably coked up too. Facts. Because even before that scene, we starting to see social people start coming onto the estate. Like we already know what's the beginning of the end for him. Yeah, because they're already infiltrating as a wreck. Yeah. And they killed and what the funny thing is, what set him off was not the fact that his house got invaded, but that they killed his sister. But like, you about to die next. <laughs> yeah. Fact. You got nothing else to live for, I might as well die. I guess that's the angle the movie was going for. His inner monologue, though, when he was talking about Manny, we slept on the fact they kept calling him Manolo. <laughs> Manolo. <laughs> he said, why you make me do that? 
the scratch in the head with the coke on his nose, bro. That <laughs> shit killed. <laughs> so why you make me do that? <laughs> Let's go ahead and wrap this up. I guess right here you can drop this. Say hello to my little friend. Oh my god! What? But she came in there. She was gonna kill him. Tony. Yeah. She was trying to, and then somebody took her out first. Matter of fact, she hit him in his leg. Mm -hmm. She swung on him. Like, yep. She shot him then. Then she shot him. She was afraid she to take him. shot him in his leg. The way you was going to die tonight, Tony. What'd you get naked? Hey, yo. I understand that. What did you get naked? She was, yeah, she was on some shit. She was. She wanted them drunk. Take her clothes off to fight. <laughs> she was like, you must want me. He's like. What's your Tony? Like. Talking about like, what type of weird you? Like, this ain't that type of movie. Hold on, run it back, Brian. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> this ain't that movie. Hey, cut. I'm uncomfortable. Fact, but then when Bull lit her up and he threw him over the uh threw him over the patio, it just turned into a known of the beast where he just went full nihilist. This nigga dead in the pool and he's shooting the pool up. <laughs> I'm like, bro. And but yeah, now we wrapping it. But the time he let a lot of people die in the um the main area because I remember when uh Chi Chi was trying to get in the door mm -hmm. and he was sitting there talking to Gina dead body. He's like, "Fuck, Tony, open the door!" <laughs> he was just looking at the camera like, "Oh shit, <laughs> oh shit." Uh, and that is Scarface, nineteen eighty three. Yeah. I well, I feel like all of this shit. His final stand where he get invincible off that. Coat. I'm assuming he had a vest on, right? <laughs> yeah, the coat, the coat kryptonite. He was super cool. Yo, nigga, because when he was this, first of all, he had a, a machine gun with a rocket launcher on it. Want a flat gas? Okay. Have a nice Come on. Okay. Do you want to play rough? Okay. Oh, no. Say hello to my little friend. Okay. Do you want to play rough? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you want more? Okay. Josh. He said, "Don't want to play with me, motherfuckers." Okay. To my little friend. Oh, you like that? He's so talking. <laughs> him. Lit him up. Him dropping the gun and just taking the bullet. He said, I take all your bullet. I tell all your He started getting Asian. I was like, you breaking the exit, bro. <laughs> I tell all your bullet. Get it together, Pacino. Yeah, he started fucking up. But then uh, the bull, they called him the skull. Whatever. Oh, the skull. Yeah, and that shot him in the back of his shit. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> that was just. That's exactly how that shit went off. He fucked up. He fucked up. So, in conclusion, this is not a movie you need to see if you've seen it already. This is not a movie you need to see if you didn't see it already. If you are aware of hip hop and aware of the culture around hip hop, you know everything you need to know about Scarface. If you are ever so inclined to ever want to experience Scarface, I strongly suggest you just go on YouTube and watch the movie clips. Do not sit through three hours of this film. This film needs to exist, however. This is a very important film for the culture. But if you're going to sit down and watch this movie, 
I do not recommend. Two out of five. She should give it a two. Is the statement of the merits of a movie? Two out of five. What it means to the culture? Ten out of five. You know, for real, thirty-five. <laughs> to the culture and the green. I give it a three myself. As far as the things that go into making a good movie, it was mid. It was mid. But like you said, cultural relevance. That's how. Yeah. Damn, damn, we just gave Scarface a two and a three. <laughs> they gonna be like these motherfuckers. It's a movie. As a movie. Yeah, that's that's all we say. Below average, but what it means to the culture as a cultural reference point, ten out of ten, ten out of five. Mm-hmm. It breaks the charts. Easy, easy. And since I picked the last two, this is your second one. Yes, sir. I was thinking. Um, let's let's do critically acclaimed one more time. Okay. This time I'm thinking of the Godfather. Hi. Boom. See you next week. What you like, baby? Boy, I need a puppy. Talk that shit to me. Uh, uh, yeah. It's the return of the bad guy. They wasn't respecting the nice guy. Cause I was just down on my dick. Them niggas, they said they would rap. But now was a strap on my side. No bitch, nigga. And I ain't no dumb nigga. I keep me a license, so touching. I'm legally blowing your shit, nigga. You get hit, nigga. Like, boom. Cousin, I'm back on my shit. In Spanish, that mean that I'm back in your bitch. Keep me a bitch on the side. And she wanna rap. But bitch, this ain't regular size. Olympic medal on me. Bitch, no, I keep the gold on me. Yeah. Bitch on my dick cause I'm cool Perfect phone when I hop in that pool What the ditty, she love her a bad boy Like Gerald, she fucking a sad boy Bitch, I'm the bad guy I know that she grown, so I'm trying to holler at Billy For real, if you with it, I'm trying to gross me a billy I need to pop me a pilly Back up to serving the Maddie, so grab him off me Cause you niggas been sleeping on me Uh. Got that Quad just be cooking that fuego. fuego. Mommy like chicken with queso. Bitch ain't that for them pesos. Be stacking my hoe like they Legos. All that shit you been talking ain't that enough. Back on my shit and they mad as fuck. All of them niggas be acting tough, but all of them niggas ain't.